warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 228. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, hate it, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five, four, three, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're the we're leftovers. leftovers. Yeah. So, uh, back, back after a long week off, Jake, uh, went to C2E2. Uh, we're joined, uh, this week by, uh, Mr. Joe Stark. Hello, gentlemen. And, uh, we saw you at C2E2. Uh, the next gentleman we did not see at C2E2, uh, Mr. Eric Wade. What's going on, my friends? How's it going, Eric? Good, good. How are All you guys? Right. Yeah, fantastic. Fan fucking fantastic. <laughs> So good. Getting my getting my voice back one day at a time, you know. And uh yeah, I did a lot of did a lot of yelling, acting like a I don't know, acting like an asinine idiot at C two E two and I, I lost my voice and so it's slow, <laughs> slowly slowly but surely coming back to me, which is uh, It was glorious, dude. I I've never seen a human being so passionate about cold tater tots. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's one of the most disgusting fucking things. Like tater tots when they come like fresh out of the oven or right from the fryer, glorious, fucking glorious. Dip them in whatever favorite dipping you like, you know what I mean? But once they get cold, and it's completely different than cold french fries. Like I can actually eat some cold french fries every once in a while. There's something about cold tater tots. You just don't want to fucking go there. <laughs> I don't know. I eat them frozen out of the bag. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, you do not. <laughs> he's I, I'm not him like jo- he's teething. I'm not joking at all. I think they're delicious. Uh, I was, see, I was talking, I was talking to Scott Schutte's son, Austin, and I was like, I was joking about it. I, I forget. I said something about, uh, put, putting them in like a, in like a cup, like they're ice cubes or something like that, and then drinking <laughs> out of it. But it, no, they're just, no, they're, no. they're disgusting. Cold tots are gross. And frozen tots? Oh my God, Jake, you should be, you should be strung up. <laughs> like, and, and, and beaten within one inch of your life. That's that. There's something wrong there, buddy. 
I, I, a little bit of a different territory. I think once they're cooked and then have cooled down, I'm not. I'm not a big fan. No, of No, they're not either, a Jake. But. They're not a frozen treat. It's not like the ice cream man's playing his little song down the fucking street, and kids are like, "Hey, can I get my push up tot?" Nobody sees. No, I'm kids no, I'm are not. It as a frozen. We need. We need more uh, potato frozen. <laughs> no, we don't. We do not. We do not need potato frozen snacks and drinks and and whatever. Just disgusting. <laughs> do, do, do you have, do you get like a, like, like, what are those, what are those called? Like the, uh, like a frozen, uh, what are those, those, those drinks, those frozen drinks? What are they called? Not, non-alcoholic. Like daiquiri? Not a, not, no, the non-alcoholic ones. Jesus Christ. Everybody's thinking about getting drunk. <laughs> Shirley Temple? <laughs> no, it's just, it's just, uh, fro- just shaved ice. Shaved Milk. ice. Shaved ice. Oh. You could have like, like a, a. Tasty freeze? Like yeah, shaved ice. You could have like a like a like a frozen frozen hash brown. I'm into it. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> hey Jake, you know what you do need to talk about this week though is uh, oh what the the mutant drink that you that you were scamming all fucking weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that stuff was good. It was like the mutant monster soda. Yeah, Deadpool's oh, coming fantastic. out, so they they named their next like energy drink mutant, and they got that that. Uh, they got one that's like, uh, that comes in the silver can or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's the sprite looking one. It's so good. Yeah. I was sticking to the uh, melon and the green one. I don't even yeah. know what flavor the green one was. I just referred to it as the green one. Yeah. I hope they get that shit around here. I really enjoyed the mutant, uh, drink. It was good. I see it at some of the gas stations. Yeah. Not all of them, but some of them. I haven't seen it. Uh, let's see here. You're really holding me to that, uh, talking about that mutant drink, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, you're, you're telling them you're gonna talk about it all fucking weekend, you know, <laughs> telling those guys. At the time, I thought it was a lie. Yeah, I know. No, I, well, it would have been had I not brought it up. There's no, no luck to you, anyway. <laughs> Uh, Jake would basically Jake was telling these guys that he was going to talk about the drink on the podcast just so he could get free bottles of the shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These were these were six dollar bottles, mind you. Yeah, and this was working, so I was I was drinking it all weekend. Yeah, yeah, and he, he was your press pass to good advantage. It was fantastic. It was it was fantastic. Uh, so. Go ahead, finish it. Finish. I, I don't know how much I want to talk about how much I enjoyed my press pass on the podcast. No, let's not. Because I'd like to enjoy it again next year. Too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I do want to announce that me and Jake have been recording. We are Legion. It's our Legion podcast. If you listen to this podcast, there's no need to let me ask me like, "Hey, are you doing a Legion podcast?" I am. It's called We Are Legion. So subscribe to it, and then April twenty second. Uh, Westworld comes back, so subscribe to my Westworld podcast, Sweetwater Saloon. I had no idea that these two would be playing at the same time. It's kind of overwhelming, but subscribe to them both because I'm going to do them both. And then uh, I also recently threw up some uh, comic book panels for our podcast number one comic books. We got uh, Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Miller panel, a Mark Miller panel by himself, uh, a DC Universe panel, and then an Image Comics panel. And then also I went to the American Gods panel, and uh, I threw that up on American Gods After Show, my American Gods show. So check that out as well. 
All right. I, I, big shout out to you guys. I, I'm really enjoying the We Are Legion podcast. It's just unfortunately, I still have no fucking clue what's going on on that show. But that's what, I appreciate, appreciate yeah, the podcast. That's what we're trying to do is we're trying to trying to understand what's going on in that show because it is very difficult to kind of put these things together. But it's fun. That's what I love about it. I feel like the first time I watch it, I'm all disoriented, you know. I feel like somebody spun me around in a fucking circle and I'm like knocking into walls and shit. And then, <laughs> you know, and then I and then I do a little bit of research and, you know, then I start straightening out a little bit and then uh and then I watch it a second time and I feel a lot better about the actual episode that I watched. So, yeah, I was thinking the other day, can you imagine how dumb we would sound if we tried to record that podcast like 10 minutes after the episode aired no there's no way i mean <laughs> i've I, the only time that i've ever done that with a show was after the first episode of westworld and i think it was like i think me and ashley like waited maybe a few hours before we did it but there's no way there's there's literally no way it would just be an incoherent mess us talking yeah, about be crazy yeah exactly so all right i guess it's time for uh it's been two weeks yeah it's been, it's, uh, time for iTunes reviews. And they're not fucking plain. Fuck you! Fuck you, you fucking piece of shit! Hold on. <laughs> Alright, we're back. It's time for iTunes reviews. It's one star five! We don't give a fuck, cause we really love to hear just how much we suck! Guys, Chris Dubot, and your host is a jerk! I'm an opinionated asshole who's dick don't work! here all right uh first one comes from new england bubba and uh new england bubba titles his itunes review my new home for falcon crest news <laughs> so it's a five star as someone who has dropped many a coin on both etsy and pinterest the intro gave me cause for concern but my patience was well rewarded never before have i heard so much discussion of god's gift to entertainment falcon crest it's long overdue but finally the crest has found a podcast it can call home i can't wait to share my new discovery with my fellow cresticles five stars and a fine bottle of wine to you all so yeah yeah. (laughs) i love that review i love that he had an old home to uh, get all the falcon crest news yeah replace something (laughs) you know what i like about it too is like he calls it like the crest you know, like that, like they call it the crest, you know, amongst, amongst their circles. Um, I also do find, I didn't know if it was a discrepancy at first. I guess, I guess there's two faction of, of, of crest fans. There are the cresticles, but I also found out that there are the crustaceans. So there's two different groups. And, uh, I guess, I don't know. I'm going to have to study up and find out. Like, I think one group is like pro Mrs. Giaberti and the rest is like pro the rest of the family. That's all I could really find out. Oh, yeah, dude, you don't want to end up on the wrong side of that debate. No, you don't. Yeah, especially if you don't know what you're fucking talking about. Like, don't go trolling. Don't go trolling any cresticles. Okay. They will fuck get your you info up first. Yeah. They will, like, you will walk outside your door one day and then get hit over the fucking head with a bottle of wine and be drug off and i don't know i'm taking that too far anyway um next one comes from hey who got hey somebody get an email over there <laughs> you doing you, huh 
<laughs> what? Is somebody, somebody send you some Falcon Crest fan mail? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, this just in. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thought you could get away with that, didn't you, sir? <laughs> just tapped into just this huge fan base. <laughs> I know, I know. They are they are waiting out there. They just need a they need a home, and, and we want to be that new home. Uh, Spiderling thirteen seventeen sends us a uh, a review here titled uh, "This Podcast Keeps Me Living." I drive thirty minutes to and from work. Without this podcast, I would probably would have ended it six months ago. Don't ever stop making podcasts or else my blood is on your hands. But for real, these episodes are amazing and I'm glad I found you guys. Keep up the good work. Dude, wouldn't that be fucked up if like, like all of a sudden, like we get, we, we end the podcast, Jake, and then like months later we get like a message from this guy, this is your tape, and it's like a cassette. And it's all like he, he's gone all like thirteen reasons why on us. <laughs> oh man! And then I have to sleep every night after after being part of that. That's, Great, I don't know. you know, it's, <laughs> hey, whatever. You know, it's like I'll just <laughs> whatever, whatever, man. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy life. I'm gonna drink wine. I'm gonna watch the crest. Okay, so. <laughs> I, I, Jake, I don't, I, I, I like the review. It's very passionate, but like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a suicidal threat. He's like putting a lot on her shoulders there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I, I kind of want Responsibility. I kind of want to see if we'll go through with it. You know what I mean? All right. And, and we get a month break. It's like a win-win. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know? <laughs> You know, let's see here. This one comes from uh, Blockbuster Girl 47, and uh, she says, uh, it's titled, uh, This is the Longest Podcast. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she goes, I'm liking the way this one's starting out. <laughs> she goes on to say, This podcast is really long, so not good if you do not have time for a long podcast. It's a, <laughs> it's a three star. <laughs> oh, man, that one's good. Yeah. <laughs> Really laying down the fact. Now hold on, hold on, Jake. Do you think, do you think Blockbuster Girl, first off, do you think that she, (laughs) I hope that's not a recent username she came up with. I hope that she, she came up with that before they went out of business. But anyway, do you think that she, do you think that she even gave the podcast a chance? Do you think she listened or do you think that she just like, you know, just like any women, any woman that saw John Holmes penis was just kind of overwhelmed with it and like, whoa, you're not going to put that in me or, whoa, I, I don't have the time to listen to that. Yeah, she did not have the time. Yeah. Blockbuster girl. I bet she was, I bet she never rewound her tapes either when she took them back. Did you like my, <laughs> did you like my John Holmes analogy there with the, with his yeah, giant? good. Huh? It's a great tagline, the John Holmes penis of podcast. Yes. It's a great advertising tagline. <laughs> it's not like we're, and it's not saying like we're just because like, like, it's like we're the best because we're the biggest. It's just because we're really long and like, <laughs> and there's real, no, there's really no use for it. Like being that, <laughs> that long. <laughs> yeah. It's not like she's like, it's really long and worth yeah. every second yeah. of your time. <laughs> right. John Holmes was He's basically, like, <laughs> he was just a, the opposite. He was just an attraction. It, you know, it was like watching a, a freak show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this lady's never been impressed by the wristwatch trick. <laughs> the, oh, wrap, it. wrapping it around. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I was I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next one comes from Tyree Jacob, and it's titled "Something New." And um, 
It's a five star. While the forefront host, Brian, captures you with his unforgettable tone, vocabulary, and inspiring, stout-hearted attitude, the additional leftover Jake can always give insight to the audience with his own perspective view on movies and mainstream problems in the film industry. Along with the traditional guest appearance, Eric always speaks when needed on his own time and has people aware that he is always on top of it with binging latest media content to bring back straightforward thinking secured with outstanding hindsight to the podcast. Overall, both of them combined will keep you drawn into the most recent topics discussed at hand that vocally displays their versatile thinking. Moreover, the host manages to transition the awareness back towards him without fatigue, with well-deserved reasoning and most-needed jokes, which you may start to believe his voice to be potentially seductive at times when he's speaking facts or his own true thoughts. Therefore, when this interesting trio is live and on the air, they hold up each other's end of their own thoughts and views to get around the whole purpose of this podcast that in some way becomes something more than just leftovers in the end. Wow. wow. Holy shit. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. Wow. That was like the doctoral thesis of reviews. Like, uh, well done. Yeah. So, was a radiation on a plaque. I, I, we got we got Jake cutting off Eric. Eric saying something that didn't land quite well. So what's going <laughs> <laughs> on? I really like that review. For the most part, I thought there was a lot of really nice things said there. But um, one thing I didn't appreciate that is very worrisome to me is that Eric's been on our podcast so much now that he's made the iTunes reviews. <laughs> that scares me, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's all, Eric's like part of the crew almost. This is, he's like part of the – he's like the trio now. Yeah. I'm not – I'm going to have to put up my red flag to that. Yeah. It's nice being on with you guys. I'll talk to you next <laughs> The Eric Wade fan club is alive and real. Yeah. Eric's Eric's basically saying like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna go watch Falcon Crest." You know, he's like, <laughs> he's got better things to do. So, yeah, those were the iTunes reviews this week. I I thought that you uh, what was it, Jake? You were basically just the additional leftover, is what he called you. <laughs> <laughs> he said some nice stuff about me. He did. He did. There was there was a moment of nice stuff. This was I think this was the most complimentary iTunes review ever towards me. Like I, there's a lot of them out there <laughs> that talk negative about me. And this is very <laughs> this is very complimentary. So Yeah, somehow it made you seem like a very positive person. That was a good spin on things. Yeah, it did. It did. You know, just <laughs> moments ago I was telling one of our listeners to go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> This guy this guy's completely one eighty the way yeah. I, that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh guess who is back this week, guys? Uh, Eric Wade. No, 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 no. Not only, not only Eric Wade, guys, but uh, Tracy Ferguson's back, guys. We got a Tracy Ferguson appearance. Oh shit, Jake. Uh oh, Jake. Uh -oh. Should, for, for, <laughs> Everyone's favorite man lover. For potential new <laughs> listeners, who who is Tracy Ferguson? Should we should we tell the tale a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, a little bit of a uh, rewind, I think, and not too in depth. Yeah, but sure. W one of your biggest fans. Yeah, she's not my. No, she cannot stand me. I, I don't really understand this whole thing. I, I don't know if this is somebody trolling me or if this is a real person with like 
a mental disability. And I, I, I don't mean to say that like, like being mean. I really think this person has something wrong. I think there's something wrong with this person mentally. If this is real. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to, I don't know what the latest update is. Well, let me get into it. Basically, Tracy. For, yeah, previous times. Wait, you cut out there for a second. Now you're back. Sorry. Oh no. Yeah, apologize now, sir. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I want you to. I want you to apologize for these technical difficulties, sir. No. Um. Okay. So, what were you saying? Uh, I was just saying. In previous times, she's accused you of basically like being Hitler. I think straight yeah. up, right? Yeah, she called me Hitler. Hitler meets Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, basically. I mean, there was a there was an episode that we did. It started with the episode that we did with Jodie Foster and her comments towards the superhero movies. And it was me, Dan West, and Jesse Candelori on that episode. And I literally was the only one that was basically standing up for what Jodie Foster's comments were, saying she might have meant this. And, like, let's, you know, let's not take it as the way that we're interpreting it. Maybe she meant this. And then I started to get a barrage of comments on our webpage calling me a man pig and a misogynist and Harvey Weinstein and Hitler. And it's like, it came out of left field. Like I had no idea where this came from. So I, you know what? I'm sorry, but I think there's something mentally wrong with this person. And I don't, and you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to let everybody, I think there's something fucked up in her fucking head. I really, I think she's got a screw loose. I don't care if I'm labeling her right now. She's fucking crazy because if she would have listened to the episodes, she would know that's not the case. But apparently she didn't. She doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about or she just, I don't know. I think it might be somebody trolling me, but if it's a real person that's actually doing this, you're fucking crazy. So I'd like to introduce a new segment called Tracy Ferguson is a crazy fucking bitch. Tracy Ferguson. Is a crazy fucking bitch. Tracy Ferguson is a crazy fucking bitch. Tracy Ferguson is a crazy fucking bitch. Tracy, you're fucking crazy. All right, Tracy, you got your own fucking segment now because you're such a goddamn lunatic. You're such a goddamn <laughs> lunatic. Message. Huh? Like a sub, there's a very subtle message to that whole thing, to that song. It's just yeah, very yeah. light. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was very cryptic, like I told you guys when it came to that song. So, um, His meaning really strikes me. Uh, so here's here's what Tracy has to say. Uh, I think she sent this to me a couple weeks ago, before, right after we took our break. Brian, man pig, it's amazing how you continue to show your misogynistic, foolish nature. I've been telling my girlfriends at work what type of pig you are and to never listen to your show. What the fuck? Like, hold yeah, on. There's no way she has friends. Well, <laughs> not only that, but it's like, it's like, do you, people don't do that. Like that's, 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 that's psychotic. It's, it's not like we're Joe Rogan, like her girlfriends at the fucking salon or at the whatever, Fucking like I don't know wherever she works, what? whatever. Yells all the water cooler. Talk. It is not. I know we have we have we have a lot of female listeners, but you're not. I'm I'm saying like not even like most guys are listening to our show. It's a very we have a very niche audience, and so it's like you don't really. If you're gonna 
da- if you're going to say negative things about her show, it, it's not like you're going to go to your work. It's not like we're Joe Rogan and we're people like, oh, yeah, I listen to that. No, it's not like that at all. What the fuck is wrong with this person going to your work? Actually, you're doing more help for us by advertising us. I, I want to know where she works, where the water coolers are buzzing with PCL. I, I don't think they are. I think like I, I honestly feel like everybody at her work thinks she's a crazy fucking psycho, too. I do. <laughs> Come on. She's serious. This is not this. Is, this is not the actions of a normal person. Jake, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I, it's to the point where I don't think it's real. I don't either. Anyway, I don't believe it. Just when I think you have turned over a new leaf by acknowledging female empowerment in Ladybird, you proceed to squash that and show your Harvey Weinstein side. In your review for Love, Simon, I wanted to throw up at your weak man comments. What was that about? She doesn't, she doesn't go on. She doesn't explain. She goes, really, you're taking that colorblind towards sexuality approach. Being blind to diversity is just trying to cover up your misogyny? You pig. (laughs) (laughs) You must acknowledge every sexuality and accept it, not ignore its beauty, you dumb fuck. (laughs) Man. I do like how forward she is. Like, if you were this person, I I applaud her. uh, Fuck you, Jake. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, Jake. That's fucking bullshit. Fuck you. I said, if you were this person. If you were. If you were this, no, you're talking to this person. Ah, fuck <laughs> you, man. Fuck you. Oh, I, yeah, I applied. Yeah, fuck you, Jake. I'm, <laughs> I'm shouting you down off whatever fucking, I don't know, get the fuck out of here. Man, she goes on to say, man, you are so arrogant and I can see why you're single. Ow, that, that hurts. Uh, Jeez. go on and can, yeah, yeah. Oh no, Jake, come on, applaud this fucking cunt. Come on, Jake. You're so high on this no, fucking time. No, if you were actually guilty of her charges, I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. What? I wasn't, though. Jesus Christ. I know. You're completely innocent. Well, so well, yeah, crazy. and that's what makes it so fucking crazy. It's like you had nothing but positive things to say about that movie and about the fact that I it know. the subject matter at hand and stuff. It's, what the... This is fucking nuts. Go on and yeah, con- she says she says go on and continue to delete my comments. I've not deleted any of her comments. They're all still <laughs> on the web page. You stupid fucking bitch. Um, and then she goes. The Me Too fight continues, and I don't care what anybody says about me calling this lady a crazy bitch. She's called me a dumb fuck. She's done all this shit. I will. I don't give a flying fuck. What people think about me talking to this woman this way. She is a nasty fucking person with zero life. Nobody fucking gets on a web page and trolls this fucking hard. This is fu- yeah. for no reason. You're a fucking psycho. And I probably shouldn't be fucking playing this up and like, and, and I don't know and uh, playing along with it, but I don't give a fuck. I really don't give a shit. So I'm going to have, as long as you continue to make yourself look like a psychotic bitch, I'm going to have the segment out there. And if we lose listeners, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I have no, I don't care, Jake. No, it's so crazy. There's got to be, like, it shouldn't be very hard in today's day and age to find someone, like, really guilty of these charges. I, yeah, to but, actually direct this anchor towards. <laughs> oh, my God. She's a, she's a psycho. You're nuts, Tracy. Melissa.cook at yahoo.com. You're fucking out of your goddamn lunatic mind. There's something wrong with you. I don't know what happened with you. 
I don't know what happened along the way. I don't know what path in life you chose to one day listen to a podcast that you hate and then accuse somebody of shit on their webpage that doesn't even make sense. Like, what happened to you? Like, what's the story there? Why don't you fucking type that shit out? Why don't you type out what the fuck is wrong with you? And then, and then after you've typed it out, I want you to read it. And then think to yourself, like, how fucking crazy you are. And then I want you to fucking make an appointment to see a fucking therapist because you need it. There's something wrong with you as a person. So anyway. All right, guys. Um. <laughs> well, that right there, that's essentially what's wrong with the SJW type is all they've done is find a different fucking angle to be an asshole at. You're not making the world better. You're just find a different way to spread misery. They fucking suck. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. I'm, gi- I'm giving her a voice on our show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, giving, I'm giving her an outlet and a voice on her show. I yeah, it's she's a nut. She's a, don't. We're gonna get to the advertised content, people. If this is your first time listening, go ahead. Just this is turn it off. Content, right? <laughs> just turn it off. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, the whole episode's gonna be titled "Tracy Ferguson is a crazy fucking bitch." So yeah, there's our there's your advertised content, people. Sorry. I, I can't stand this woman. I literally cannot stand her. Oh, God, I can't. I can't fucking stand her. <laughs> so she has two names. The other her other name is Melissa. No, she goes by in her in her little posts online. She goes by Tracy Ferguson, but she doesn't have the balls to actually give her real name that her email address is Melissa dot cook at Yahoo dot com. <laughs> You fucking coward. And I haven't deleted any of your comments. And I'll keep them up there. And they're all fake. Because I never said any of this shit. You fucking psycho. Yeah, I'm, I'm losing it. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The losing it laugh. <laughs> oh, man. You, no, it's, it, this is like, like, uh, like, if this, if these were, if this was a superhero ba- battle, it wouldn't be Batman versus the Joker. It'd basically be, it'd be Joker versus Joker. Cause like, I'm just as crazy. So come on. Come at me, Tracy. Come on. Let's do this. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Let's get her on the podcast. Let's get her call in. Oh, God. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to turn it into that kind of a circus. I don't want I don't want her knowing my Skype handle is the thing. Um, uh, I'd, have, uh. I'd have to get those messages all the time, too. All right, guys. Let's... Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's jump in a good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Who's watching Lost in Space? Me. Oh, yeah. I, I saw the pilot. Okay. So, Eric, how many episodes are you in? Uh, I just finished episode six. Okay. Uh, Joe? Halfway through episode four. Okay. And, Jake, you watched the pilot. Okay. Yes. I, um, I, I'm 20 minutes into episode seven. So, um, I guess, Jake, since you've only seen the pilot, uh, what do you think? Oh, I, I thought it was pretty decent so far. Um, 
I'm probably going to end up sticking with it and watching the whole thing. I, I'd give it a middle of the road taste it with just one episode. Um, loving the way it looks and the production value and like the cinematography. Uh, none of the actors or characters have really stood out to me as people I'm really loving or hating yet, though. So I'm hoping that changes in a couple episodes. So, yeah, middle of the road, okay. Joe. <clears throat> yeah, you know, through the majority of the pilot, I was thinking I really, really, really love this a lot. And then they threw, it feel like they stuffed a lot of just weird shit in at the end, like with the stuff with Dr. Smith and and showing what was going on up in the space station. But then watching uh, the episodes after that, it didn't feel so out of place because it did a lot more of the switching back and forth. Um, but so far, I would give it uh, a high taste it. Okay, Eric. Yeah, I'm going to give this a Jedi. Um, no, come on. You're on the wrong podcast. It's a, <laughs> come on. I just did that to fuck with you. I'm sorry. All right. Tupperware. All right. It's a Tupperware. It's a Tupperware. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I'm absolutely, I'm really, really liking this show. It's totally different than anything that I expected so far. Mm. Parker Posey is, is, killing it as dr smith i mean i just absolutely hate her um she's totally irredeemable and i i I like the way they they played that character i think the kids have all been great and i think they've done a much better job than i ever expected with development i'm a big fan of toby stevens uh he was on black sales is what i knew him from previously and uh, just overall that like you said jake the cinematography and everything it's fantastic it's 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 the production value was totally blew me away i never expected this so so far it's been a total surprise and i give it a tupperware yeah i'm gonna i want to talk about it a little bit here but i'm gonna echo what you said eric this is this is a tupperware for me it's fantastic i was hooked from episode one um i also had some of the concerns like okay i didn't really get to know any of the characters in the first episode but i still know that i'm really enjoying it because it has like a a family adventure feel and I, i i was i was thinking to myself oh my god if like even if i was to watch this as a like a nine year old I think that this would be like one of those shows that kind of like stuck with me throughout my entire life. It just has that family adventure feel that, that those kind of things that I used to love watching when I was a kid. And like here I am kind of getting nostalgic about a show. I used to watch the old Lost in Space, but this is like 10 times better. <laughs> it's so much better than the original. Yeah. Um, and Parker Posey's great in this. It's got Molly Parker from Deadwood and she's fantastic in it. Um, Toby Stevens plays Mr. Robinson, and he looks like the love child of John C. McGinley and Michael Fassbender. It is so bizarre. Um, and then, of course, Parker Posey's great. The robot is played by a guy named Brian Steele, which I think is so ironic. It's so weird. Um, and um, I, I, I think it's – I'm 20 minutes in episode seven – and it's great. I love just watching this family work together and figure out things. It's a fun adventure. It's basically rated for everyone. It's rated TVPG on Netflix. And I think like the whole family can sit around and watch this and really enjoy it. I, my favorite character right now, um, outside of um, Dr. Smith, and I don't know about you, Eric, and uh, Joe and Jake, I love how they incorporated that character into this series. I, Jake, I don't know if you're that far yeah. yet, but how she was the she's not really dr smith she took on that she took on dr smith that and i i like i like that because i thought that they were just going to do your traditional gender swap 
but they've they've done something different here where she's taken on like the persona the of 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 Dr. Smith. She's not really that guy. So I I, I don't I love it. Um she's just uh at the end of episode six there was a huge thing that happened, Eric. So Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Um I, oh my god, I, I don't know. I love it. I, and the the special effects are amazing. Um, the world that they live on, I mean, everything's dangerous. Uh, I mean, the, the show keeps you busy too at the beginning. Like, if if you don't have things going on outside of the ship, you have things on the inside of the ship that they have to take care of as well. So it doesn't really matter like where they are in the show. There's always something happening. And I, lo- I thought they did a really good job when you mentioned the world. I thought they really did a good job with it. It it, it feels alien and foreign, but it's not over the top. It, yeah. It, it, feels like a real other world would feel the way yeah. the way they've done that it's very light touch to it and i like that a lot they didn't go like yeah. full-blown avatar with it right yeah. right exactly mm-hmm. right but yeah it's yeah. it's definitely not earth like you can look at it and it, this is not like a a futuristic earth they've gone through a black hole and they're at you know they're, they're at they're on earth like you know a thousand years in the future like you can definitely tell like there's it's not. It's 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 a totally different planet. Um, I'm trying. Oh, uh, Penny! I love Penny. Eric, are you are you a Penny fan? I I can see her either like rubbing you the wrong way or being a fan of that. I love Penny. No, I I agree. I'm a I'm a big. There is not a single character on here so far that I I disliked. I I've, yeah. I've liked everything that they've got going on with it. Oh God, the Don West character, and I know it sounds like Dan West, yes. ha, 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 but I love. <laughs> yeah, I know he's awesome. Yeah, I love Don West. I, I'm a he's huge, awesome. Yes. Oh, it's so yeah, good. I, I was also the uh, Maxwell Jenkins playing Will Robinson. He's, you know, he's he's surprised me as well. His he's got his performance has been better and better as far as far as 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 it's gone along. He's not that annoying yes. little kid. They they played it really mm-hmm. well. He can, in my opinion, like if he hasn't done any voice acting work, he needs to. The kid is really good. Yeah. He's very yeah, talented. That's a good call. Yeah, very talented. I was listening to his voice and I was like, oh my god, that kid. That kid would fit perfectly in like into like maybe like a Disney film, you know, um, where they needed like a young child's voice or like if they need to animate some baby bear or some bullshit, you know. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know. I, just, yeah. I, I love the job the actors are doing in this, though. And Parker Posey is absolutely killing it. She makes me feel so uncomfortable. Oh, God. Oh, God, yes. Mm. Yeah, I very much like the tone of the show. I do appreciate that. Like, it's it's not cheeky at all. And the drama and the tension feels real. Um, and I thought that was kind of set right away, even from the first scene. I thought the solitaire scene was a really great, great way to just, like, jumpstart you right into the tension. You know, doing something so you know mundane, and then boom, mm-hmm. it's we're having a disaster. I, I like how they've also done the bat. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In this show, I mm-hmm. think it's working with the the flashbacks. Yes. They're doing it the right way mm-hmm. and kind of fleshing out those characters as they go along. So I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah, we didn't get we didn't start getting um, you know Doctor Smith. I don't even know what her real name is. I don't even know what Parker Posey's real name is. Like, do we know yet? Oh, yeah. They they did say it in episode three. I just don't remember okay. what it was off the top okay. of my head. Okay. I don't remember then. But like, you know, yeah, we didn't get we didn't get any of her backstory until like episode three and four. So yeah. I I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a story about a family that goes to Alpha Centauri to start a new life. 
and they end up on a dying planet that they need to get off of. And this is a crazy adventure. I also love the incorporation of like new characters. Like there's the guy Victor who like they elected to be like the new leader of Alpha Centauri who's stuck on this planet with them. And he turns out to be like a big douchebag. I, you know, I'm, there's, this is fantastic. This is so good. Um, I definitely Jake and, and Joe stick with it. This is going to be one that I finish. Um, probably tomorrow. I, I've really been enjoying this one. I, I would have had it finished today. I had to do other notes for the show and things like that, but I've, I've really kind of like, uh, grown to love this show and I hope it gets a second season. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those shows where it, it feels very cinematic too. So. I agree with that. I think Netflix has done a better job than most shows in promoting this too. So hopefully it does find its audience. Yeah. Have you guys read any of the reviews on IMDb from some of the users? Um, I have not. It feels like they've been trolling this show. It feels like Tracy Ferguson's leading a fucking uh, <laughs> group against the show. <laughs> oh, it, there are a bunch of man pigs on this show? No. It's basically, if you do go to IMDb and check out the user reviews, there's a lot of them in there. I think it was sitting at like a 7.1, though, last time I checked. But there's a lot of ones. And I'm just like, where is this coming from? Are you are you lost in space purists that that hate this, or um, because it it's different than the original? Or like, I didn't know there was that many diehard lost in space fans to be to begin with. <laughs> Anytime you make a man character into a woman character, you're going to have that group th- of people out there that are going to one star. I think they I think they did it in a very and Eric, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think they did it in a very inventive way. Yeah, like no, I agree with that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. They've done a great job yeah. with that and, and really made her what I didn't expect a, a total villain. Yeah. Total villain. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, they could have just done a simple gender swap, but they, they've done something, uh, I think, uh, above and beyond that. And they've, they've, they've changed the whole story, but I think they've changed it for the better. And the robot, the robot's fantastic. What a great addition to the show yeah. as far as like, it, the way it's got the, a real Iron Giant kind of feel. Yeah. And the way that the robot moves, it's not just like that stationary robot, you know, from the original TV show, Danger <laughs> Will Robinson. So, and I love the fact that it says that. I just love the alien look of that thing. It just looks so cool. And uh, I love it. Man. Oh, yeah. The first time it said Danger Will Robinson, I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Some of the 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 alien creatures, the creature designs on this were really cool. I don't know what those creatures were, the ones that attacked them, um, but the ones with the spiky backs. I mean, that looked great. Great special effects for this show and for for, yeah. for a Netflix show. So, yeah, I, I I think it's fantastic, and I would highly recommend our listeners to stick with it. Um, I want to I want to jump in and talk about real quick. I want to talk about Into the Badlands season three. Um, it premieres on April twenty second, and I've seen the first two episodes. So, so mad at you for that. <laughs> um, this. I am gonna have. I am gonna give light spoilers away for season two. So if you haven't seen season two, you can skip ahead. Um, and I will talk a little bit about season three, but I won't give everything away um, that I have seen. I just want to kind of get you excited. I want to like either get you excited about season three or let you know that it's not living up to it. So, um, but season two, it left us with Quinn, um, the villain, dying, 
and then Sonny, our hero, his wife Val being killed by Quinn right before he died. And then we saw Bocce at the end of that, Nick, played by Nick Frost, sending a mysterious signal in a tower. And then the widow and her daughter Tilda had a huge fight. Tilda left, and now the widow is gaining more power and killing more barons. And um, season three starts off within the first four minutes. We see a character coming back from season two um, that the widow wants to have as a regent, and she fights this character. And um, that fight is fucking amazing. It is awesome. It's one of the best fights, best choreographed fights in the series. And I think like this season, the fights are better. It feels more Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon than it has in previous seasons. And I know that it's kind of inspired, the the fights are inspired by that, but you see a lot more of it this season. And it's, it's this, this initial fight is amazing. And I'm literally talking like five minutes into the first episode of season three. Um, we find out, you'll, you'll find out that only a few months have passed in season two. So it's not a big time jump. It's only like four to five months. Um, Sonny's child Henry is still a baby. Um, Sonny is now an alcoholic who he's a single father now after the, since Val's died. And then he's also a wanted man. And he's basically just trying to fill his life after the loss of his, uh, after the loss of Vale. And he's drinking. Um, MK is a prisoner of the widow and he's an opiate addict. <laughs> and, um, he blames himself for the death of his mother. And then there's huge reveals, Eric. Uh, Joe, do you watch this? I haven't watched it yet, but I'm super stoked to start because I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah, definitely watch it. Eric, you've seen the first two seasons, right? Oh, I, I've watched both seasons twice, and I'm yeah. going to rewatch it again before the premiere. I, I, I'm a huge, huge Daniel Wu fan. I got a huge man crush on him. Yeah, he's awesome. And like this season starts off with a bang. There's a huge reveal in episode one, and then an even bigger reveal in episode two. That it's like people are going to be talking about the reveal in episode one, but once you get to the real reveal in episode two, you're going to be like, "Oh my god!" Because I hate you, <laughs> hate you. I'm telling you, there's a lot to be excited about this season. There's a new threat this season. There's characters that we haven't met. There's a couple in this season that are they're also looking for the lost city of Azra. Um, so we have Bachi kind of looking for it. Of course, we've got MK who had been looking for it, but now he's distracted by his opiate addiction. Um, but we've also got this, uh, this couple that use teenagers that have the gift to fight for them. So basically, like, they'll come across like soldiers. And then they, this couple has these two teenagers that basically cut themselves and then go just slaughter Soldiers, and so you like these two teenagers just have like cuts all over their bodies because like if you've watched the show, you know that there's characters that have what's called a gift, and when they see their own blood, when they get cut and see their own blood, this gift it basically their eyes turn black and they basically turn into like karate demons. <laughs> Whoa! And, <laughs> yeah, and so like these characters have like scars all over their faces, all over their arms, and they've just been working with this couple. I guess trying to find the lost city of Azra. And so like that's dude, this is going to be the best season I think so far, even with, I honestly, I think like, I think I like, I'm starting to like Emily Beecham as the widow more than I liked Quinn in season two. And she, wow. yes, 
She's so fucking good and sinister starting off. She's so, she's power hungry. Like Quinn was just losing it in season two, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, he really was. He was, he was, he was, yeah, he was, he was batshit crazy. And a lot of that had to do with like the tumor in his head, the disease and all that shit. And so, and, but like the widow in this season, she's just, she's really, she's, uh, she's really just taken over. And, um, I'm really blown away that you're saying that the the fight choreography is even that much better because I already thought yeah. it was some of the best fight choreography I've seen ever on TV. Yeah. So that that's just amazing to me that oh. you said they've taken it to a whole nother level. Oh God! Wait until you see like I'm t- like the first episode. There is a scene that like they they fight from a very high up. Um, location and like I'm lit- I'm watching on my iPad and I almost feel like I have vertigo at that point like I'm like oh my god there's no way that this battle is happening this high up off the ground this is insane so I can't wait for everybody to watch both of these episodes and I've got to wait like two three weeks now to get uh, to get something new and I, I can't wait uh, this season's going to be I think it's going to be fantastic. It's starting off with a bang. I think it's starting off better than last season. I'm so glad Nick Frost is back in this season. And it didn't it feel like he was almost dying towards the end of last season? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to see him back. But yeah, Tupperware the fuck out of Into the Badlands the first two seasons. Trust me, guys. I've barely, I've barely touched the surface. I've barely touched the surface of what you'll see in these two episodes. So, um... What do you guys have for me this week? I've, I've got quite a bit to cover this episode, but I want to know what you guys have. Jake? Um, I didn't see anything other than the same thing you saw yeah, that we we'll can, talk about later. We'll talk about that. Um, Joe? Yeah, I wanted to bring up the comic book, The Realm. Uh, at C2E2, yes. I picked up the volume on trade. Uh, it's an image book. It is by Jeremy Hahn mm. and Seth Peck and... Uh, I lucked out and walked past the image booth when Jeremy Hahn was sitting there. And so the trade I picked up, I was able to get signed, yeah. which is pretty awesome. I, I, um, I talked with him as well. Um, I picked up, he had a local variant for a local store and it was, um, so a local store got the realm number one and they got their own variant cover. And, um, so I had, I picked that up from Jeremy at his booth and had him sign it. And yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. I'm really proud of that book. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a fun book. It's like this weird dystopian future where something has happened where there's like dragons and orcs and stuff. <laughs> and it's very like Mad Max meets Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Absolutely. The way the orcs talk to each other is really funny. It's not like you hear orcs talk to each other like that in the Lord of the Rings movie. Like this is like, I don't know. It's so weird to hear orcs talking to each other like this. They're talking like, like totally normal, just like totally normal people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and they they and, think and humans, we still don't know what happened. So no, it's like, were they normal people that just turned into this, or what's yeah. going on? And then there's uh, a huge reveal. Was it the end of issue three or something? Yes. Cra- yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's number three. Yeah, I don't know if I want to get into that, but no, nah, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. Just saying, <laughs> if you see this, I mean, if the cover alone doesn't sell you, I mean, it's this dude standing. In like a trench coat, and he's holding a revolver in one hand and a broadsword in the other, and there's all these like dragons in the sky and like a wrecked city in the background and all these weird floating islands. I mean, this is truly a book that I initially read it because I saw the cover and I went, "Whoa, yeah, <laughs> like I'm fucking getting this," and I was not disappointed. So, 
I mean, definitely want to give uh, some awareness to this title. The Realm is yep. an absolute Tupperware for me. I got Jeremy's business card, and I hope to have him on an episode of Number One Comic Books uh, coming up. Oh, excellent. Um, have you read his book, The Beauty? No, I have not. Definitely check out The Beauty. It's such a weird book. It's a, it's um, People get this disease called The Beauty, and when they get it, they basically turn into, like, supermodels. They turn, like, it just... And so some people want to contract it, but it does come with like, uh, some, some consequences, but, uh, it's a, it's a really cool book. It's really, really good. I remember you talking that on, about that on the show yeah. a while back. Yeah. Yeah. I probably did. Um, yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. Oh yeah. You got to check out the realm, dude. That, that's an awesome book. So good. Um, what else do you have, man? I also wanted to uh, give a shout out to Eternal Empire, which is by Sarah Vaughn and Jonathan Luna. Oh, now, yeah. if you've read Alex and Ada, it's the exact same creative team. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're going to be stoked. And it it feels a little similar in tone to Alex and Ada, only this is like a hardcore fantasy story with all these people that um, it's like when they get close together, they can like create these like swords like made of fire and they kind of like had visions bringing each other together and there's this like evil empress that's trying to take over this whole world and they kind of come to realize that they need to fight against her but she might have these same gifts that they have and it's just gonna be a 10 issue mini series and number eight just came out so it's gonna wrap up pretty soon volume one trade is out right now that is called eternal empire and it's another Tupperware. I can't re recommend it enough. Awesome. I've got them all collected. I just got to sit down and read them. So, um, oh, you'll love it, man. Yeah, I, I, I had I collected Alex and Ada as well in individual issues and read that. I loved that book. So, um, anything that the Luna Brothers do, I usually try to pick it up because they're very, both of them together yeah. or separately are very, very talented. So, oh, did you read Girls? That one they did together? No, I never read Girls. No. I read that a, is a weird story. I, Highly recommend it, but it's out there. I read Whispers, which was like a six-issue miniseries that took him like – it felt like it took like two to three years to complete. It was so annoying. It started off so good too and then it kind of went out with a whimper. But it was like you had a, a period of time where like you didn't get issues for like six months. So, Oh, wow. I mean it's better to read it collected, but still – it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it started off so good too. It's like a horror comic. It was really good when it started off, but it just didn't stick the landing. Um, do you have anything else? Uh, no, that's about it. Okay. I'm going to go through a couple things here and then we'll get Eric's. Um, I went to the, uh, at, while we were at C2E2, I went to the world premiere of Daphne and Velma, which is the, uh, the Scooby-Doo prequel with just the girls. So no. <laughs> No Scooby-Doo, just Daphne and Velma. <laughs> so we were the first audience to watch this movie before it gets released on May 22nd. I don't know if they're going to be playing it at any other conventions, but um, it was one of those things I was kind of wanting to see. I was back in my hotel room. My foot was kind of hurting me. And then Rebecca texted me, and she was like, ah, do you want to go see this? And I was like, all right, I'll meet you there. So we um, we went and saw it. It's about the female future members of Mystery, Inc. investigate strange goings-on in their school stars Sarah Jeffrey as Daphne and Sarah Gilman as Velma. Um, Sarah Gilman was on uh, Last Man Standing on TV with, uh, what's his name, Tim Allen. Um, I I don't know. This is one of those, I think I, I think kids are going to love this movie. I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. But then again, I saw it in, not, not everybody's going to get to see this in a, in a, in a crowd. 
in, a, in, in with fans of the characters. But I had a great time. It's really funny. The comedy in this is really pretty damn hilarious. She's got an overprotective father, and he's so overprotective of Daphne that it's ridiculous. And that made me laugh. There was the cool boys, like the cool jocks in the school. Like the girls were in this food cart, and they were trying to listen in on their conversation to hear what they were talking about, if they'd give away any clues as to what happened to one of the missing students. Because students are going missing, and then some of the students are just not acting like themselves. Like they just start acting weird and saying like random shit. Like this one character kept saying, I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's, it's hilarious to watch it. But like, so they're hiding in this food cart and these jocks are talking to each other. And this one jock is like, Hey man, you know what? I've always wanted to be a father. And then the other jock goes, you know what? I think you'd be a great dad. And the other guy goes, you really mean that? You really mean that? And the other jock goes, yeah, sometimes I think, I wish you were my dad. <laughs> it's, just, it's like a conversation that jocks would never have, and that's what makes it so funny. And the the girls get in trouble, and the teacher gives them shame stickers. There's a shame drone that follows them around with a black cloud, and that was funny. <laughs> and I, I thought this was – I'm going to give it a Tupperware because of the experience. And I'm not saying this is for everyone, but if you have young kids – um, I highly recommend that you get this because this is a very funny and fun movie. But I don't, I don't think that if I would have rented this and watched this at home by myself, that I would have had the same experience. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Um, I also wanted, yeah, to- having a receptive audience means a lot sometimes. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I want to talk about Thoroughbreds. Has anybody seen this, the new film Thoroughbreds? No. no. Okay. No. I've been dying to see this movie. They played it here locally, and then I lo- th- then they took it out of theaters. So I had to drive about forty five minutes away to go see this one. It's about two upper class teenage girls in suburban Connecticut rekindled their unlikely friendship after years of growing apart. Together, they hatch a plan to solve both of their problems, no matter what the cost. And uh, it's written and directed by Corey Finley, who did um, a, a movie called Burning Rainbow Farm and Sauna. And both of those I have not seen. So this is my first uh, exposure to, to Corey Finley. And um, so I, I I loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. I'll get into it here. But it stars Olivia Cook. Uh, you'll remember she was the main female lead in Ready Player One. It's got Anya Taylor-Joy. She's going to be the new magic in the new Mutants film. It has the late Anton Yelkin in it. Um, Kaylee Vernoff is in it. Uh, and then Paul Sparks. And for those of you that watched the Waco miniseries on Paramount, he played Steve Schneider in that miniseries. Uh, he just doesn't have the mustache here. Um, I love this movie. I think it's a Tupperware. The poster says it's Heather's meets American Psycho. And I can't sum it up any better. That's basically what this is. You've got Olivia Cook. She plays this weird character. And she she basically says that she has no emotions. She feels nothing. And um, then you have Anya Taylor-Joy's character, and she's basically miserable after her father died. And her stepfather's verbally abusive and very controlling of her and her mother. So she hates him. She's But she's also self-absorbed, and I didn't like her, for, her character for that. And 
really what's weird about this is like the likability of the characters changes throughout the film. So you'll, you'll like one and then the next minute you won't like them. And then like the character you didn't like now, now you like them. And it's, and then Anton Yelkin watching him on screen for the last time, it was sad, but he gave a great performance in this. He's so fucking good in it. And it's, it's a, it's a movie. It's going to keep you guessing the entire time. Like what's, where's it going? Where's this headed to? Um, it goes to some pretty dark places too. There's some pretty dark conversations that take place in this movie. And, um, I don't want to say too much about it cause I don't want to give it away, but I will let you know, like kind of like the hook is that Anya Teller Joy's character hates her stepfather so much that she kind of like tries to hatch a plan to have him murdered. And oh, man, <laughs> yeah. And I highly recommend this when, when this comes out, if it's in theater still where, where you are, definitely give it a watch. Um, and trust me, the first five minutes are very disorienting. You don't know what's going on. You don't, you don't know why these two girls are together. You don't know anything. All you, all, all you really need to know is that they haven't had contact with each other for a long time and they're kind of rekindling what friendship they used to have when they were younger. And then things take a very dark turn when they find out new things about themselves. You know, Anya Taylor-Joy finds out that her friend, who she thought was her best friend for years when they were younger, basically has no emotions, feels nothing. And the movie will prove that to you. Um, it's, it's, I've, the characters in this are great. I, I really, really liked this movie. It was so dark. And just like the tagline, Heathers meets American Psycho, that's it to a fucking T. So I highly recommend Thoroughbreds. Um, did I remember the trailer for that? And I thought it looked so cool. Yeah. And, and okay. I didn't realize that this was the last one that, that Anton Yelkin had worked in because when I saw the trailer and saw his name, I was like, this guy is like the Tupac of like dead movie stars. Like how many more things are we going to see him in? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's been, it hasn't been a couple years. Yeah. yeah, it made me wonder, and I didn't look into it too much. I, I probably should have. I, I thought about it, but I didn't research it. It made me wonder that maybe, maybe they had more for him to do. Maybe they had to rewrite the script for this after he passed away. I don't know if it happened during filming. Perhaps I, I don't know. And they had more for him to do, and with his passing, they had to kind of like rewrite this a little bit. Um, or trim it up to have it make sense. But um, I, I kept feeling like there was a scene that we were supposed to get with him that we didn't get. And so in that scene, you kind of see his character's point of view without seeing that character. And I wonder if like there was more to that scene and they were trying to figure out how they were going to finish this movie without him. And that's why it took so long, but I don't know. So did it still work even with the, if that's what they did? Yeah, it did. It did. It totally did. What if they, if they rewrote it, it totally worked. That's good then. But yeah, I could see what you're talking about. Is it officially his last movie? Are they billing it? Is that, I, I don't know. It's the, I would imagine I, I mean, I'd have to go to IMDb. I, Joe I, called him Tupac. He's probably got another movie coming out in like next week, right? I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I spoke pre, too prematurely saying it was his last movie. Hold on. I'll pause. All right. Well, I mean, it's got, um, it's one of his last movies. There's, um, it looks like they're all out now. Thoroughbreds, um, was 2017. I, 
I don't know why they have it listed because I'm it's still in theaters right now, and I thought it got released in February. Hold on here. March 9th. It got released March 9th, 2018. So yeah, this is his, I mean, I guess it was originally slated for 2017. Um, he was in Troll Hunters, um, which is an animated thing. And then We Don't Belong Here was also, uh, one of his final movies. And that was listed as a release date of April 4th of last year. So yeah, Thoroughbreds is his last thing that he's done. So. Um, yeah, I love his voice work in Troll Hunters, and they recorded enough of that that he's going to still be doing the voice work for season three when that comes out. Oh, really? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, has anybody else seen A Quiet Place? No. Mm-mm. Okay, I went and saw A Quiet Place. It's um, <laughs> it's like a horror movie, right? I'm yeah. Inter- yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. It's PG-13, which had me worried at first. Uh, it's called A Quiet Place, and I was like, the whole time, the people that were behind me that wouldn't shut the fuck up, I wanted to basically remind them that the movie was called A Quiet Place, but they <laughs> finally shut up. It's just one of those movies, like, if somebody talks at all, because there are very many quiet moments in it, you would imagine. So if anybody talks, like, I don't mind the sounds of, like, crunching popcorn, but, like, if people are whispering and talking and laughing, it drives me fucking crazy. But anyway, it's about a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by sound. Instructed by um, John Krasinski, who stars in it, and it's written by Brian Woods, who's not not the comic book writer Brian Wood. It's written by Brian Woods. Um, and it stars real-life married couple um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. And this movie... Um, I didn't know. I, I've been. I, I all I heard was like great things about it. So I was like, "Is it really going to live up to it?" Because like I'm really particular when it comes to horror. And this movie, I will start. It will. It makes great use of sound. Like the film, basically, in a nutshell, is that you can't make any noise, like loud noise, because there's something that will kill you if you do. And the whole world, it's kind of like The Walking Dead. Like, oh, The Walking Dead, sure. that world has to adapt to zombies and the rules of the zombies not to get bit. In this world, the people that have to adapt to not making noise in fear of being killed by this creature or creatures. So it was, it was cool to watch like this family and how they live and how they, you know, survive on not making any noise. Um, the, the father played by John Krasinski has, uh, they'll, they'll walk into town and he's taken sand sandbags and poured sand into trails to where when they walk on the sand it'll dampen the sound and when there's danger on the they live in a farmhouse when there's danger on the farmhouse or if everything's uh fine or peaceful they've got different colored lights that light up around the farmhouse to like warn the rest of them because they can't they can't reach out and they can't yell and scream they can't make any noise because then it will alert the creatures so um, they also was cool was like they, they the family would talk to each other in sign language and I was like when I first started watching this because it takes place 86 days after the event of like whatever happened to for these creatures to be there um, it happened we start off the film 86 days after this event and I'm like how did this family learn sign language and you find out that they have a deaf daughter and that I thought that that was a really great reason to choose this family to to follow um and to build a story around the family and their de- and the deaf daughter and so like 
when you're watching the film, sometimes you'll be following the mom or the dad or the son, and then you'll hear all the noises around them. But when you follow the daughter, you literally hear nothing. And you know that she can't hear anything. So if something's right behind her, you know she can't hear it. And you're praying she doesn't make noise. That um, sounds really good. You're kind of really selling me on this. Jake, it's, yeah. a, it's a Tupperware. You have to oh, see yeah. this. You have to see this in the theaters. You have it kind to of sounds this. a little bit like Brian. Jake, it sounds a little like Brian and uh, background noises on PCL as well. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does. Um, John, John Krasinski, um, I think this is his directorial debut. Um, um, what's crazy is that John, you know, it's, it, oh, it's crazy because John Krasinski, it's his directorial debut. And, you know, we know Chris Evans is wanting to get into that director's chair. You know, he's been working, you know, he worked on Snowpiercer and all this stuff. And like, John Krasinski was the original guy that was going to play Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and well, Emily Blunt was supposed to be originally cast as a uh, black, black widow, but she couldn't because she had, um, she had something conflicting her schedule wise. So yeah, there was lots of background murmur for her possibly being Captain Marvel too she, while we were leading up to that. Yeah, she never got a call. She said she never got a call for that. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of I think that was like a lot of fans pushing for that one. So ah, gotcha. Um, but uh, John Krasinski, who directed the film, starred in the film as the father. He pushed the studio to cast a real deaf, deaf actress in the role of the daughter, and they did. They they cast Millicent Simmons. Um, she's really de- she's deaf in real life, and they cast her as their daughter in this film. And I think that that choice paid off brilliantly. She was fantastic in this movie. The movie is it, it, there's a lot of suspense. It's um, white knuckle gripping action as far as like um, being scared for these characters. And I hate jump scares typically, but this there's a few jump scares in this, and. and and there's some of the best jump scares I've seen in film. And, um, I, you know, I was, I was telling a buddy of mine after this movie got over with, we were texting, he'd seen it. And I said, this is a better version of signs. The, the, um, what was it? Mm, the M night movie. M, the M night. Oh, nice. With yeah. uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. So swing it, away. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, um, Didn't you speak sign language? Uh, in, in science? No, do any of you know how to speak no, sign language? No, when you were no, saying that sign no, language is no, part of this movie. No. No, I yeah. do not. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought I knew how to say sorry. And like a couple years ago, I was in a, a swimming pool in a hotel that had like a basketball hoop. And I bounced the ball off the rim and it went off and it hit this kid in the face. It was in the pool. And so I went over and, and like he started signing to me. And I was like, oh, and so I started signing back, I'm sorry. And then about five minutes later, I realized I was signing thank you. So I bounced a basketball off this kid's face and then told him thank you a bunch of times. <laughs> That's a yeah. real jerk move, Stark. I, uh, I wanted to like just sink to the bottom and just hold the drain until I died. Joe, real- <laughs> Joe, realized, Joe realized he'd been giving people the middle finger his whole life. Not, not realizing... Oh, this wow. doesn't mean hi. <laughs> He's been called a masochist pig and didn't realize it this whole time. This uh, a Quiet Place is only an hour and a half, so it's a real quick watch. Um, and um, there was a lot more to this one, and I and I, I'm glad that it was cut down because there was um, 
a lot of like not talking in this movie. Um, characters not talking at all. There, there's stretches in the movie where like, I think I, I don't know. I didn't time it, but it felt like we were 30 minutes into the movie before anybody said a word or longer. And, oh man, I like that kind of thing though. That oh, sounds good. I, hey, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm applauding him for that choice because he had originally had some flashback scenes in the film where characters were talking and, and Krasinski pulled, he cut those scenes. And I think that that was very smart of him to do that. It reminds me of Gravity, the, uh, what was it? The, uh, the movie, the Alfonso Cuaron movie with, um, what's her face? Center Ball. Sandy B. Sandy B. They were supposed to, like, that whole movie takes place out in space. The, like, the, the, the studio and producers, they originally wanted to have them cut the scenes in Houston. Because Ed Harris was cast in that movie. He was like one of the voices of Houston. You know, one of the, mm-hmm. Na- one of the NASA guys. And they were, they were gonna have whole scenes cut to Houston with like Ed Harris and, and, and Alfonso Cuaron was like, no, I want you to feel like you're in space this whole time. And like, and I feel like this is another bold choice by a director and, and, he didn't do the flashback stuff, which sometimes flashbacks can be great. We talked earlier, Eric, we talked about Lost in Space having great flashbacks. Yeah. But yeah. Like, I think here it would have been a detriment to A Quiet Place. Um, a ton of people were worried about this movie, too. Uh, if I didn't say it's a Tupperware, but a ton of people were worried about this. Uh, they were worried about this movie because it was being made by Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes company. Oh, jeez. People are so bastards. Who cares? Um, well... They have a track record for making not so great movies, Jake. They, they, even with it not being Michael Bay, Platinum Dunes is basically associated with horror reboots, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, A Nightmare on Elm Street. They do have a couple decent films, but overall Platinum Dunes has come out with a lot of stinkers and Co-founder Brad Fuller came out and said, we've rebooted enough. We've done all of our rebooted horror movies. We're not going to be doing that anymore. So they made a really cheap movie with The Quiet Place. This movie is doing gangbusters in the box office. So yeah, it's right there with Rampage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Rampage good for them. Rampage is on track. It, Rampage is on the same track as uh, um, Jumanji was as far as yeah. like – coming out of the gate in the box office um i read now check this out this is fuck i'm I'm sorry i want to talk about a quiet place a little bit more i know you guys haven't seen it but this is fucked up jake and i think all of you guys can join in on this conversation this seems really weird to me in an interview with the website slash film screenwriters scott back and brian woods revealed that paramount pictures originally intended to incorporate a quiet place into the studio's cloverfield film franchise Wow. Now hold on. Listen to this. Listen to this. As Beck said in the interview, I guess it crossed our mind and we had spoken to our representatives about that possibility. It was weird timing though because when we were writing the script, 10 Cloverfield Lane was at Paramount. We were actually talking to an executive there about this film and it felt from the pitch form that there might be a crossover. But when we finally took the final script into Paramount, they saw it as a totally different movie. The screenwriters and director John Krasinski were ultimately relieved and grateful for Paramount to finally decide to allow them to make the film as a wholly original standalone film rather than to make it part of the Cloverfield franchise or any other film franchise for that matter. Now, okay, so you've got Scott Beck and Brian Woods, the screenwriters. They were saying that this was originally intended 
to possibly be a Cloverfield, Cloverfield film. And then Brad Fuller and Andrew Form, they were the producers on A Quiet Place. They, they, they said that they never intended for it to be a Cloverfield film and don't know where the rumors started. There's a whole, I could read their quotes, but basically their quotes are like, we just kind of laughed about it because we have, I have no idea how that started. This was never going to be a Cloverfield movie, blah, 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 blah. And then form. Deny, like, deny, deny. Deny, 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 deny. And it's like, I literally just read from Slash Films, the screenwriters of this film, talking about how it was possibly going to be a Cloverfield film. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm glad it's not a Cloverfield film, but on the flip side, this makes a better Cloverfield film than Paradox. This would make, this would have made. Oh, that's not high praise. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, I'm glad it's not. And I know it's not high praise. I, I still enjoyed Paradox for what it was, a B movie. I don't want it to be part of the Cloverfield universe though. Um, I enjoyed it as a B movie. I just don't think it was worthy to be a Cloverfield film. This, no, Lord, no. Uh, this on the flip side is worthy to be a Cloverfield film. But on the flip side, we've got them, um, we've got them talking about, the producers are talking about a sequel is probably going to happen for this. So, like, you don't get that if it's part of the Cloverfield universe. Hmm. At, at that point, will it still be John's thing or will it just be a franchise that he created that they'll move on to a new series of writing, directing? That's the question. They've talked about whether they're going to have the continuing adventures of this family going forward or if they're going to move on to a different part of the world. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think John will definitely be involved in this. I mean, if he gets the chance to direct and work with his wife more, I think he'll definitely want to be involved. You know, him and Emily Blunt are married in real life, and I think, like, any any chance that he has to work with her again, they'd love to do it. And, man, you could really tell in this movie that they were married. The, just the scenes of them being quiet and, like, the, the smiles and uh, the loving gazes that they had in the movie – I mean, you could tell that they were, they were married and in love. I was like, I was kind of blown away by the performance and, you know, just the quiet performance that they gave in this movie. So good. Um, I, you guys got to see this in the theaters. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you're, you'll, you'll have a great time. Jake, take Michelle. You guys will have a great time. I'm telling you, Joe, go, go and see this. Eric, go and see this before it's out of theaters. It's, it's best seen in the theater. I think it's best not seen with a large audience though. I think like if you can get the theater to yourself, this is an- You want a literal quiet place <laughs> yes. to watch a quiet place. Yes. 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 This is not normally my type of movie, but you've sold me. So yeah, I will have to go check it out. Awesome. Awesome. I, I expect updates. Even though Jake doesn't ever want to have you back on the show again. He thinks like you've been here way too much. I know, I know. That's all right. That's what everybody says on the Supercast, too. I, I like him enough, but the iTunes review is really interesting. <laughs> damn it, damn it. Um, I, uh, I saw, um, have you guys, have you guys seen The Last OG on TBS? No. The new Tracy Morgan sitcom? Oh, no, I know of it. You haven't seen it, Jake? No, I have not. You guys got to watch this. It's there's three three or four episodes out now, and um, I've seen the first episode. I'm gonna get. I've had a lot on my plate, people. So I've seen the first episode. <laughs> and if you go and don't watch it on TBS, fuck that shit. Go to the TBS app and watch it on the TBS app. It's uncensored. 
I'm talking Tracy Morgan dropping F-bombs, saying, motherfucker, it's great. It is great. Uh, it's about an ex-felon is shocked to see just how much the world has changed when he is released from prison for good behavior after a 15-year stint and returns to his newly gentrified Brooklyn neighborhood. Everything's changed in his neighborhood. Um, creators are John Carcieri. Jordan Peele is a part of this as well. It stars Tracy Morgan, Cedric the Entertainer, and Tiffany Haddish. And um, it's basically like he comes he comes out and like you know like he was like uh he was like a thug man he was like you know he he was uh he was I'm trying to think uh he was basically into some bad stuff and he he ended up doing one deal too many and got caught and then thrown into prison for 15 years and his girl she stuck with him you know when they were together but when he got thrown in prison she she lived her life, man. She couldn't, you know. She wasn't gonna wait around for him. She she warned him that he 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 shouldn't be in that life, and so she went off and did her own thing. When he gets out, he finds out that his ex girlfriend is now with a white guy, and then she's all upper class and she's doing like fundraisers and shit like that. And he finds out that he's got two kids that he's never met, and so it's it's funny. It's funny. Cedric the Entertainer is great in this. Um, I highly recommend this and watch it on the TBS app. Do not watch it when it airs on TBS and you get that censored bullshit. Watch it on the app, man. This is, this is fucking great TV and I can't wait to watch the next two episodes that I've missed, but I Tupperware the fuck out of last OG. And it is TBS's highest rated comedy that they've ever had on the network. And, I, and you can say like that, that's not a lot. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else they've had that's originals except they've had American Dad on there recently come over from Fox. And I can't think of many other. They had uh, Franklin Bash, and um, didn't they have that stupid Lost um, kind of parody sitcom, Stranded, I, or whatever? I, I kind of like the first season of that. Uh, but yeah, they had that one. They've had a few, and then they oh uh, Angie Tribeca. Um, they've had some comedies, but this is the rated. This is the highest rated that they've ever had. So I Tupperware that. Um, Eric, what do you got for us? Yeah, I've got a couple of small things. Let's see. We got, uh, I got to bring it up one last time. The Magicians uh, series finale, season finale uh, happened, and uh, they have done a great job. This is three seasons now. They have stuck the landing for me uh, in the, their finale each season, which to me is a rare feat anymore for shows. Even the best shows, they usually, they they maybe, you know, nail it the in the um uh, penultimate episode but then they miss out on the finale they did a really good job they wrapped up the season well and set up season four so one of the best shows on tv i'll keep mentioning it It sounds like some people are watching as well so good for them so looking forward to season four uh the expanse season three premiered um that's another under the radar show right now that's kind of sneaking up on some people it's it's great it's one of the best sci-fi shows on on tv um the the premiere was great i'm really interested to see where they take that story this season there's some good acting um there's absolutely excellent production value in it so it's a much more gritty um realistic uh, sci-fi take and and I really enjoyed that so I'm excited for season three uh, and then the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, did either of you guys watch season one of a series of unfortunate events I, I watched the first three episodes I went through gotcha. like the first like six episodes gotcha and then okay so if you season two just premiered I'm 
Uh, I've got two episodes left on that. I'm going to give it a high taste it. If you weren't a fan of season one, season two is more the same. So if you if you ended up dropping off and not finishing it, you're probably not going to pick it up in season two. I want to get it's one of those shows that I want to get back to because I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I love it. It's a great Barry, you know, it's Barry Sonnenfeld and it has that kind of MIB um, kind of humor and, and 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 production value. I, I I really enjoyed it. I think Neil Patrick Harris just does a, a fantastic job. And then anytime you put Patrick Warburton in anything, I'm going to watch it. Oh, regardless. he's so fucking great. I love Patrick Warburton and everything he's ever done. Um, so you stole I, my Jesus. Really like <laughs> Every time I think of him, I think of you stole my Jesus fish, didn't you? <laughs> from, from Seinfeld. Yes, yes, devils, devils. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love he he was great on Venture Brothers too. Uh, Patrick Warburton, his voice is, of course is just the, yeah, absolutely everything. Of course, the tech. So, <laughs> yo. Oh. <laughs> I forgot so, about him in Venture Brothers. That was great. Oh God, yes, I absolutely love him. So, but but series of unfortunate events, season two. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a high taste. It. I, I I like it a lot. I think the kids are good. So if you like season one, season two is more of the same. And I'm really enjoying it. They do. Uh, oh God, from uh, Serenity, isn't it? Uh, uh, I cannot think of his name, but uh, uh, Nathan Fillion. Nathan oh, Fillion. yeah, nice. Yeah, Nathan Fillion's in season two. So really good, more of the same. So if you like season one, check out season two. Doesn't Nathan Fillion's last name sound like a number? <laughs> a fillion? Yeah. A billion dollars? Yeah. Like maybe like somebody with a speech impediment trying to say like a number. <laughs> That's a fillion dollars. You know, a billion dollars, a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun to say stupid shit, isn't it? Anyway, um, yeah, I want to, dude. It's a series of unfortunate events. Is like one of those shows that I want to get back to. I was really enjoying it because I it it, it feels I don't know. It, wouldn't I would love to see Wes Anderson do a fucking series of of unfortunate events series? So, oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very interesting comparison between yeah. Sonnenfeld's style and yeah. Wes Anderson's style. Very much so. Yeah, the, the humor humor is just so dry and witty, and it, it's just right for me. It's just right up my alley in terms yeah. of how they do it. Neil Patrick Harris just nails the part as he goes through his Count Olaf. It's great. I'm going to be watching Isle of Dogs next week. The uh, new Wes Anderson. Oh, I can't. I heard such. I heard a, a fantastic review about that on Friday, so I yeah. can't wait to see it. And I'm also going to go see a movie called Before We Vanish. It's a. Um, I posted the trailer on the Pop Culture Leftovers Facebook page. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's a Japanese science fiction film. It's about three aliens who travel to Earth in preparation for a mass invasion while taking possession of human bodies, and so. Um, I'm gonna see that next week. I think that I'll- sounds amazing. It the trailer is fucking awesome, and so I'm gonna go see that on Tuesday, and um, I'll have the review for you next week. But it's called Before We Vanish, and when I saw the trailer, they were playing it before Thoroughbreds, and I was just like, oh my god, I have to fucking see this. <laughs> this looks so. Go to YouTube and do a search for Before We Vanish trailer and watch it because it looks. Fucking 
incredible. But Jake, let's talk Rampage. Can we uh, do a quick break, real quick? Jake, Jake let's break? not talk Rampage right now. Let's take a yes, break. thank you. <laughs> let's take a Jake break. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's a real one. Don't make me laugh that hard. <laughs> you, were, you were doing so well too. All right, let's take a break. I was doing. I was like, uh, while we were on break there, I was uh, I was on IMDb and I was looking at the producers for the magicians. Eric Wade, you're listed. What the fuck? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's mystery solved. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a great show. Jesus. I knew you would love it. <laughs> all right, all right. This, this is Eric's last episode for sure. I was like, this guy has got the biggest fucking heart on for this fucking show. What's the deal? And you're listed. It's the first thing I watch on my DVR. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, you're listed as one of the producers. I, uh, (laughs) I'm telling you, man, I think this is a, this is a conflict of interest to have you on the show. (laughs) Every week it's a show that changes the game. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Every week, like, like Eric, Eric has tried to convince me to turn pop culture leftovers into a magician's recap show. Like, <laughs> After the magician. He's like, Brian, you can call it pop culture leftovers powered by the magicians. And then we, and then we can just talk the magicians the entire time. And I was like, Eric, that's not our show. That's not what we do. And then every week he just keeps planting these fucking seeds every time we have him on here. Like, I know it was the season finale, but I guarantee you, if we had this fucker on next week, he'd find a way to talk about that goddamn show, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. You, you know what you do during the off season? You rewatch. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Hey guys, That's I've been right. doing, two seasons. <laughs> I've been watching a season rewatch. I've been doing a series rewatch of the magicians. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 I'm sure you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's going to be at least a month because I got to do a rewatch of Into the Badlands first. Then yes. we'll go back. I just did my season two rewatch, so and it was it was glorious. It was glorious. So Jake, let's talk some Rampage. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go on a Rampage, guys. Rampage is the highest rated video game movie of all time on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, rated? I will say this one more fucking time. Rampage is definitively the highest rated video game movie of all time on Rotten Tomatoes at 50%. I was going to say with a 40. 79, (laughs) 79 fresh rating and a 79 rotten rating. It is the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, It's about primatologist Davis Okoye. Dwayne Johnson doesn't look like a Davis, does he? 
Yeah, I wasn't, but he was just the rock that was, in this movie. That was my biggest problem with this movie when they revealed that his name was Davis. I was like, hey, you don't look like a Davis. That was your biggest problem? That was my biggest problem this whole fucking movie, Jake. He's like, he doesn't look like a Davis. Uh, he shares an unshakable bond with George, the extraordinarily intelligent gorilla who has been in his care since birth. But a rogue genetic experiment gone awry transforms this gentle ape into a raging monster as these newly created monsters tear across North America, destroying everything in their path. Okoye uh, teams with a discredited genetic engineer to secure an antidote, fighting his way through an ever-changing battlefield, not only to halt a global catastrophe, but to save the fearsome creature that was once his friend. It's directed by Brad Payton, who had worked with The Rock on San Andreas. Uh, it's written by Ryan Engel and Carlton Cruz, um, and stars The Rock, uh, Naomi Harris from Moonlight. She was awesome in that movie. It stars Jeffrey Dean Morgan, um, Malin Ackerman, so both J- uh, Dean, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Malin Ackerman are reunited here. Um, in this film, they were both uh, Silk Spectre and uh, the comedian in Watchmen. And then Joe Manganiello is in the film. It's also got uh, Jake Lacey, who plays uh, Malin Ackerman's brother in the film. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's great. I loved him on Billy and Billy. And then he was good in... Um, have you guys seen Love the Coopers? No. It's an Ed Helms movie. It's underrated, but it is very good. And um, that movie's that movie, <laughs> Love the Coopers is written by Stephen Rogers. I swear to you, it's written by Captain America. Um, <laughs> what? How can it not be good then, right? But um, I, uh, how did you see this, Jake? I saw it in IMAX 2D. I saw it in standard 3D. Okay. It doesn't sound like you liked it. What'd you get it? What'd you rate it? I'm going to toss it. Wow. I was really disappointed by it. And it's like, I when I went in, I didn't expect it to be like grand cinema by any means. I expected it to be cheesy, fun, video game movie schlockiness starring The Rock. But I don't know. I just found it very bland. I thought the effects were really good, and it wasn't like it, it looked pretty enough. I just... It was just too tropey. It it was never really. It never got me on the comedy side. It never got me on the serious drama side. The trailers pretty much spoiled all the plot twists. I thought the villains were like the worst action movie villains I'd seen in a movie in a long time. Like those were the best two people they could find. They spent all their money on the Rock, and then that was that. I don't know. I um, what's um, Negan? What's the actor's name? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, I thought he was fucking awful. And so I, oh man, this, this was really disappointing. The, the first half was okay. And by the second half, I was so checked out. Oh, wow. So I hope you liked it. I, I did. Uh, it's not a Tupperware. <laughs> it's not a Tupperware by any means, but I, I love Sharknado movies too, because they, they know what they are. And I feel like this movie knew what it was. And I, I actually, I loved, um, I, the, my biggest problem was the villains. I love, like, I love Malin Ackerman and I love Jake Lacey, but they were terrible villains in this. Like, even for as cheesy a movie as this is, they were a little too over the top and I think that they kind of... Yeah, they were bad. They really brought down the movie. But I loved the action. I really did. I had a lot of fun with this and there were some laugh out loud moments in this movie for me. I saw it in IMAX 2D, so it was like, I'm watching like, giant monsters 
beat the shit out of each other and I was happy when well, I saw them bring down a building. I was like, that's the fucking video game. So I love the little nods to the the games as well. They have at the beginning of the movie, they're in a space station and we see a giant rat and I'm like, that's that that's Larry the rat from the Atari Lynx game. And um um there was um the battle it took place in Chicago. That was cool. Um that was awesome. I I really thought I had a lot of fun with this one. My biggest problem was the villains. Um I loved the I love like the the ground the, the ground crew like with Joe Manganiello and like them with their guns and like the wolf kicking their ass and I don't know, man. I I had a lot of fun with this. I loved the, the, just the, even like the little, the nods, like when uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was like, yeah, some of the, some of the people are calling the wolf Ralph. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's his name in the game. His name's Ralph. Oh man. And I love the dialogue was, woof. I, that's what it's, that's what it's, that's what it's all about, man. I bought into it, man. I knew this was a, I thought that they had, like, you know, with like some of the video game movies, like with Tomb Raider, I felt like that movie was trying to be more serious than it really is. There were fun moments in it, but, but I think with a movie where she's trying to figure out puzzles and stuff like that, I think the movie should have been a little bit more clever with some of the things that they had Laura Croft do. This movie's just giant monsters beating the shit out of each other and a primatologist that loves this fucking gorilla. And I just, I loved it. I loved it. And like, um, <laughs> I loved Lizzie the Lizard. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Even Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I wanted to hate him because because he is he is like he's he he is like <laughs> I don't know he's like as Kevin Smith would say about him he's chewing the scenery in every yes. scene. And I a hundred percent agree. Where it doesn't work with Negan, I think it hundred percent works here in this kind of a silly setting and in this silly movie. And, um, I had a, man, I had a lot of fun with it, man. That gorilla scared the shit out of me on that airplane. When he woke up, I'm like, no, fuck. He's gonna <laughs> kick their asses. And it was fun. I had as much fun with this as I do with like Sharknado movies. It makes me look forward to that new, uh, Jason Statham shark movie, The Meg. Did you see the trailer of, of that movie before this, Jake? I did not. It's the Megalodon shark movie coming out with Jason Statham. And they showed that on my IMAX screen. And I'm like, oh my, it's like Jaws, but like this shark is like a dinosaur and it's huge. And I cannot wait to see it. Um, so. I don't know. I think I had, I, I didn't really like Kong Skull Island very much. I didn't either. But I, I, I prefer that to this. Oh, I don't. I will watch this any day over that. Any day over that. I don't know. I, I wonder if IMAX 2D had like a lot of. Because I wanted to see it on the biggest screen possible. Yeah, yeah. It looked nice. The 3D was nice too. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just. It, a little bit of the trailer-itis, and I, I just, I never, I, I didn't really feel like it was as self aware as you, you were giving it credit for. Like, at the, the end guess, of the day, it, wants, they, to, it in, wants to be in that Sharknado class, but. I felt like all the actors felt like they were in different movies, and I don't know. In, it was, the, in the villain's lair, in their office, there's an actual Rampage video game, the stand-up 
arcade game in their office. <laughs> like this, <laughs> yes, okay. So and like, there's a part where like all three of the monsters are just beating the shit out of a skyscraper and it falls down. And like, there's the, there's your game, there's your gameplay. And I was like, I'll take it, and I had fun with it. I think I think the movie does realize that it's stupid. It's a stupid action. So I, I loved it. I, I'm going to give it a high taste. I do. I think the villains, the two main villains, even though I love, um, Jake Lacey, I love that actor and I like Malin Ackerman. I like both of them. I think that they really didn't fit in with this movie. So yeah, I agree with you there. They were one of the worst parts of the whole thing. They weren't threatening. They weren't funny. They were just, you just couldn't wait for them to die. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I love The Rock too. I think like my my two biggest man crushes right now are Tom Hardy and The Rock. It's like those guys can do no wrong. Like if I could have if I could just have like uh um I'm I'm going to shut up. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, man. I, I hate I hate tossing a movie that, with The Rock in it. There was a moment in the movie where uh they tell The Rock that he doesn't know people very well. And yeah. I was like, fuck that. This dude's the people's champion. Oh, stop this it. This dude doesn't know what he's talking about. I thought that was over the top, too. But I let the movie get away with it. Like, oh, he, he, <laughs> No, I'm just – I'm he, making a joke. He, I'm not – that wasn't by any means the worst part of the movie. He gets along more well – he gets along better with animals than he does people. Ooh. And it makes the ladies all hot for him because, you know, he's mysterious. And I'm like, all right. Okay, cool. I'll take it. Yeah. I'm eating this shit up, man. I'm eating this shit up. Just feed me stupid shit. Just feed me stupid shit. All right? Yeah. I'm excited for Skyscraper, though. I'm excited for Skyscraper. I mean, anything he does. I could Anything he does, I will watch. Seriously. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I just, I'm a huge, I love this guy. Like, I didn't watch him wrestle. Hey, shit. Did you guys, did you guys watch the Andre the Giant documentary? I did not. What the fuck? No, I, I, I'm going to. I heard it was great. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. And it, 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 Mir's kind of no, Mir's kind of no sold it to me. Mir's watched it right away, and then after hearing him talk about it, I was not in a rush. Ah, whatever. I, it, yeah, you, you, you guys that are all into wrestling and shit, maybe you view it differently. Like I was into wrestling when he was around. I watched him wrestle. I remember watching WrestleMania one, two, and three. When and Jake, you do too. I watched those oh, yeah. while, while they happened. And WrestleMania three, I, I when I watched that match, it was like the coolest thing I had ever fucking seen at the time. And watching mm-hmm. that, the lead up to that fight in this movie, I felt about it a lot differently than I did when I was a kid. I learned a lot more about it. Um, I think the movie it. I, I wanted them to address his daughter, and they did, but they did kind of shy away from it. I think there's a lot more that they could dive in there because, like, they had a very strained relationship, and they didn't have a close relationship. And, like, they did address it, so I got to give them props for that. But, I, it, I mean, they go back all the way back to the past when he was, like, when he first started out, and he was, um, what did they call him, Andre the Ferry. He was, like, a... Um, uh, lumberjack. It's a, it's a, it's a French word because he's from, he's from France and so it's a French word. He's not fairy, but, um, it's, uh, he was, you know, he played the role of a lumberjack back when he first started wrestling and stuff like that. I thought it was fantastic. I don't know what Mears was talking about, but I, I, I learned a lot more about the guy than, <laughs> than I had, um, than I previously knew. So. Do you get much Bobby Heenan in there? You get a little bit. You get a little bit. They, they talk about, mostly talk about Bobby Heenan when they're, when they're, 
you know, getting ready for the WrestleMania three match. And um, they talk about am heard around the world. So, um, but I, I thought it was more about getting to know Andre. I um, years ago in my twenties, there was a guy um, before uh, McMahon had nationalized wrestling. They used to have matches in Peoria, where we're from, Jake. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I met my grandpa a, used to talk about these in the Richwoods Gymnasium. Right? Yes, yes. I met you can you can look it up. There's a one of the refs. I used to go to the liquor store across the street from where I lived in Peoria Heights, and I'd either you know I'd get like a beer or I'd get I'd get beer or I'd get cigarettes, and I ended up going there and meeting a guy. His name was Ken Gerber, and Ken Gerber used to referee those matches at Richwoods, and he had stories. Like so many stories. And so whenever I'd go in there and I'd bump into him, he'd tell me like a different story. He had stories about Ken Patera and all these old school wrestlers. And he, no, that's fun. He told me about the time that him and Andre were going to, they were, Andre was late to a match and he was driving Andre the giant to a wrestling match. And Andre was in his car and the cop, a cop pulled him over. And pulled him over for speeding because they're late to the match, and because uh, Ken would pick him up from the airport and then drive him. And so they're late to the match, and um, cop pulls him over and says, "You know, you know, you're speeding, and like, what are you doing?" And he, Ken's like, "You know, we're trying to get to a wrestling match." The the police officer looks inside the car and sees this gigantic head. <laughs> and he didn't know what he was looking at. He did not. He couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't understand what he was seeing. Like you know, when you see something and you just don't know what the fuck it is. It's like an optic so big. Yes. You didn't believe it was reality. He didn't know what he was looking at, and he had to ask him, "What is in your passenger seat?" He's like, "That's Andre the Giant." Where he thought it was a stuffed animal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then so Ken tells me that. The officer asked him, um, he, he knew who Andre the Giant was, and he said, this is my, this is a wrestler, we're on our way to the match, we're late, um, and he knew who Andre was, and he asked if Andre would come out. So when Andre got out of the car, the whole car, the shocks, like, started bouncing up and down. So Andre got out and shook the officer's hand, and, like, his whole hand swallowed this officer's hand. <laughs> And the officer, he asked, uh, the officer asked him for an autograph. He gave him an autograph. And then, um, the officer let him go on their way and go to the, go to the match. He just told him to slow down and get there. And I was just yeah, like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's just kind of cool. Like, cause like, I, you know, there's like, you hear all these stories about Andre the Giant for like, for me to hear a story, like not many people have heard. I was like, that's cool. Ken had a ton of stories. So I don't even know if the guy's still alive. This was like close to 20 years ago when I was talking to Ken. Yeah, my grandpa was the most popular morning radio DJ in Peoria when I was seven, eight years old and got me backstage tickets when they were in town here. And I actually met Andre the Giant backstage in an event. Oh, that's awesome. And I uh, I still remember shaking his hand. And when you were talking, Brian, like, obviously, I was just a young little yeah. kid. But I clearly remember, like, shaking his hand and, like, his hand going, like, past my elbow. Oh yeah. Oh my God. And just being like, holy shit. Yeah. I saw (laughs) him. I didn't meet him in person, but I saw him when him and Heenan were in Peoria and they came out and they announced the Survivor Series for the first time. 
No, that's awesome. And, and he was there. I think, I don't know. I was thinking to myself, why is he there? I was, I wonder now if he was there just like visiting, like, like people that he used to know in Peoria when he'd come out here in Russell. But, um, when I was in Oklahoma, I went into a boot shop and they had, these boots on the wall that were huge and we i was like what are these boots for underneath it it said andre the giant and we asked her the lady that was running the store she's like andre before he passed away this is this is in um this is between february and june of 93 when i was in the store and she said andre the giant ordered boots from us specially made and he never got to pick them up because he died in january of that year so they just kept his boots on display there, and these were size twenty-two boots. Oh, that's awesome! And these boots were like—they were snakeskin boots. I'll, I'll never forget them. They were huge. <laughs> they were fucking gigantic. So, yeah, yeah. Oh god, I saw him in person. I can't imagine like standing next to the man. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Like, like I said, I was so young, so you have such a different perspective, but. It's just like, oof, massive. Yeah. And I, I mean, I met The Undertaker at a pretty young age, too. And then that was very soon after. And I remember that, like, kind of dwarfing that experience. Oh, I was wow. like, yeah, The Undertaker's a big dude, but it wasn't like shaking Andre's hand and being next to Andre. Yeah. The tallest guy I've ever been next to was when I was in Dallas years ago. No, San, I was in San Antonio years ago. And out of a hotel in, in downtown San Antonio, uh, basketball player Gigi Wang walked out, and that guy was seven foot two. And I was just like, "Holy shit!" And yeah, that's big. And I, I mean, I met I've met Bill Wennington, who was seven. We're still talking. This is still our show. People are just like, "Shut!" Stop talking about tall people. <laughs> talk, talk about talk about the Infinity War and the Solo trailer. Stop talking about tall people. I want one star. You know, fuck you. I don't want you listening anyway. People piss and moan about stupid shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't they, Jake? Oh, it, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like people just can't fucking have a conversation. Then people are just like pissing and moaning because they won't get to something else. Fuck. <laughs> Whatever. Let's get the news. You fucking cunts. <laughs> I'm so sick of these people. <laughs> all right. Time for the pop culture leftovers news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read all about it. It's a lot of news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right. Uh, Jan- uh, Dwayne Johnson, we were just talking about this guy. He took to Instagram to tell fans that Jumanji 3 is moving forward. Wow. So part, <laughs> part two was a, uh, part two basically was a foregone conclusion. I mean, this, this movie made so much money for Sony. You know, they were, they were already trying to get the cast back to do two. And he's talking about, now he's talking about, Part three. It is Sony's highest grossing film ever. It just passed Raimi's Spider-Man. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be eight of those movies in the next five years. I'll take them. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll take them. They're fun. Um, yeah, as long as they keep the same, like, you know, principal creative people yeah. involved, then I'm in. I'm in, too. Uh, reshoots are done on the new Shane Black Predator reboot coming out from Fox, and I'm hearing... Most of the third act was reshot. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key said to Cinema Bland, we just finished reshoots last week, and just about three-quarters of the third act was rewritten. And Shane Black is, he's just a consummate professional and a consummate writer. He's a wordsmith. It was a really, really exhilarating experience, and I think that he's still one of our most vibrant writers of cinema. So they, they reshot most of the third act. Um, 
I wonder what the reasons were for that. Yeah, it could swing both ways. It could be bad or good. You know, it could be, hey, now we have a bunch of extra money we didn't have. Let's make it look better. Or it could be, wow, that really fucking sucks. And let's try to salvage that as best as we can. Yeah, I mean, maybe they gave it, maybe they showed it to a test audience. Maybe, maybe it was just shown to some of the people, you know, at Fox and they were like, that is not working. We got to do something different. Um, but, um, um, the movie, uh, what, what, what we do know about it is that this movie is not taking place in the jungle. It has a suburban setting. Uh, 20th Century Fox CEO Stacy Snyder confirmed that back in September of last year to Variety. She said, we've got a Predator film coming out that is unexpected and utterly fresh. I just imagined that it would take 500 hours to read the script, that it would be interior jungle, exterior more jungle, and then fighting happens. But Emma... Watts went out and recruited Shane Black from the first page. It didn't read like a Predator film. It's set in suburbia. There's a little boy and his dad at the center of the action. So um, we do know, I mean, this movie has an insane cast. Um, the little boy, of course, is Jacob Tremblay. The rest of the cast, we have um, Michael Keegan, uh, Keegan Michael Key, uh, Boyd Holbrook, Thomas Jane, Alfie Allen, Trevante Rhodes, and then the rest of the cast, those are playing, they, those guys are playing the soldiers, and then the rest of the cast is Olivia Munn, Sterling K. Brown, Yvonne Strahovski, and of course, like I said, Jacob Tremblay. And then, um, check this out. The film will have links to past entries, with Jake Busey playing the son of Peter Keyes, who was played by Busey's real life father, Gary Busey, in Predator 2. Huh, that's cool. So it's going to fit in with all the lore, all the predator lore, all the predator nerds won't get up in a tizzy. Yeah, this is <laughs> – but what's – okay, if you go to the IMD, the IMDb page for this is all sorts of fucked up. It's calling it a direct sequel to like the original Predator movie and that it's set in the jungle and all this shit. And it's like all oh, that's wrong. All – every – if you go to IMDb – if you go to IMDb for any like reliable news, you're out of your goddamn mind. You can't trust IMDb. So, this one comes out in September. Comes out in September fourteenth. Fucking Predator. Yeah, it's it's gonna be Predator in suburbia, worked in with Christmas somehow, and he's gonna be out of the suit. And they're gonna say, "Does the suit make the Predator?" <laughs> they, oh, oh! Instead of hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Instead of the Predator going and laughing, he's gonna go ho 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 ho, and then blow up, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna have a very jazzy soundtrack too. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Shane Black—he was—he was one of the soldiers in the original Predator movie. So he played one of those soldiers in the original film with uh, Schwarzenegger and you know Carl Weathers and Jesse Ventura. God damn it, that movie's good. Oh, the first one? Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Oh, the first amazing. one, yeah. I just watched it recently. I'd say within the last two months, I watched it. Fucking incredible. I love Jesse Ventura and that goddamn chain gun. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's not even physically possible for a man to hold that gun and fire that weapon. But they, they did yeah, but it. Jake Ventura is no man. Exactly. Exactly. He's a goddamn <laughs> cyborg. <laughs> that movie's so fucking good. So good. You know, what did you guys think of the first Predator vs. Aliens movie? I fucking hate it. Really? I thought the first, yeah. I had fun with the first one. The second one was like, I was like, now nah, I'm done. 
Now I'm done. Yeah, I, I was with you. I, the first one was I, I didn't hate the first yeah. one. It was okay. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't anything spectacular. The second one I was like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. No, that first movie's garbage. They they like bait and switched us with the trailers where they showed us the flashback, making us think we were going to see this like alien versus predator war. And then we got all this bull crap with this predator human love interest relationship storyline. And ouch, I was completely checked out of the whole franchise after seeing that garbage. Yeah, I still, I still, I still kind of like that first one. I still kind of liked it. So. Yeah, I've never seen anything past it. Nah, I, I didn't least. watch the second one. If I no, maybe I did. Did I watch the second one? I can't. I can't remember. It was terrible. If I did. <laughs> So, guys, I sent you guys the trailer for Future World starring James Franco. Jake, you probably didn't watch it, so I'm going to talk everybody. Did you watch it? No, I did not. God damn it. Why do I even fucking send them? Why do I send that to me? Why the fuck do I even send them? I don't even know why I send trailers to you. I'm just going to stop. Um uh, Eric, I might not have sent it to you, but I know I sent it yeah, to you. Yeah, I, I was going to say I did not get that. Yeah, I sent it to I sent it to you, Stark. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. I thought it was fucking rad. Yeah, it's a new, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a movie called Future World. It stars James Franco. It uh, it also stars Lucy Liu and Mia Jovovich. IMDb has it described as a young boy searches a future world wasteland for a rumored cure for his dying mother. Um, Franco co-directs this film with Bruce Thierry Chung. Um, it's definitely inspired by Mad Max films. Right. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. What did uh, oh. what did what did you think, Joe? Did I, I I love what James Franco is doing in it, and he looks so fucking crazy. And the the makeup and costume in it is so fucking cool. Uh, I'm a sucker for dystopian future stories, and then when you add in the element of there's like. A robot or yes, something like that? Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in, and yeah, it totally has that Mad Max feel yeah. all over. I'm, I'm trying to think of what would it be like Mad Max meets like almost like Westworld or like iRobot I or something like that. But Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would agree with both of those. Um, in the trailer, we see w- there's road warrior-like gangs driving in the desert just like you see in Mad Max. We see, James Franco is playing a warlord. Um, and, and, in this, in this world, and apparently water has evaporated, gasoline has evaporated, so I don't know what they're using for fuel. Um, the trailer reveals at the end, um, of the world and commencement of a new dark age. Upon, upon finding Ash, a cyborg assassin known as a synthetic, a warlord, Franco, whispers into her ear, I've been looking for you for a long time. Meanwhile, a prince from one of the last known safe havens attempts to find medicine for the ailing queen, played by Lucy Liu. Once she discovers the prince's quest to cure his mother, Ash joins him in an act of defiance against her programming, while the warlord desperately attempts to get her back under control. This looks... It just looks incredible. It looks fun. And, like, nobody's talking about this movie. Like, you send people the trailer for it, and they don't even watch it. That's how much people <laughs> I, Actually, I just watched it while you guys were talking about it. Here. It does look good. James Franco, like, you never know what you're going to get with him. Like, if he's going to be hammy and annoying or if he's going to be really fantastic like he can be a lot of times. Yeah. And, wow, I agree with Joe. I really like what he's doing here. 
Like he yeah. fits this kind of mold perfectly. I hadn't heard anything about this. And then watching this, it, it, I can't wait to see this. This looks really, really good. Yeah. yeah I can't, it's called Future World. It's going to be available in select theaters, iTunes, Amazon, and on demand starting May 25th. So it's coming, coming out of nowhere. I, I highly recommend watching the trailer for this one. It's called Future World with James Franco. It's- and the sequel to Westworld, right? And and Mad Max. It's like if those two worlds butt fucked each other, right? <laughs> <laughs> can people say butt fucked anymore? Is that a thing, or is it, can we not no. say that? All right. Am I gonna get a fucking? Am I gonna get some bullshit from Tracy Ferguson for saying the word butt fucked? I, you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Exactly. You might as well let the butt fuck flow. But well, the butt fucking—that's not going to create any sort of like child, though, right? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Hey, do, do you do you think like like um like um I don't think like every anybody that does anal—that's not how they like present it though. When they want their partner to go along with it, they they don't say, "Hey, hey, honey, would you like to butt fuck?" Like that's not sexy, right? <laughs> I mean, teased around maybe. <laughs> like no, like it's not even it's not even sexy, dirty talk, right? It's kind of you know what I mean. Like how how do you know? Hold on, hold on. How do you have sexy, dirty talk when talking about fucking somebody's butthole? Is it possible? <laughs> I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. I'm sure. You know. I'm the, hey, I'm just saying, like, I don't know if you can throw out the word butt fuck and make it sexy. That's you all gotta I'm have saying. some sort of poetic metaphors yeah. in there. Yeah. It <laughs> could be, maybe if that guy who says buttercream. Oh, I want to butter <laughs> fuck, fuck you. Butterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm really trying to get down to the, I, I'm really trying to figure this out. Like if there's a sexy way to present, you know, going to town on the old rusty sheriff's badge. I think step one, finding sexier names than Rusty Sheriff Badge. <laughs> yeah, I don't Dirty know. Starfish? Yeah. I'm sexier than that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm not knocking anybody that's into it, you know? I mean, I've... I've no, 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 no. You know? You know I've How about had, Balloon Knot? That, that almost makes it sound festive, right? Uh, I mean, I guess you're, we're, we're starting to get on the upswing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Yeah, it's just, uh, taking it's, the fuck truck to Pound Town. Oh, I like it. Oh, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work, you gotta work, but you gotta work butt fucking into it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and then they started taking the fuck truck to Pound Town down the dirt, down the dirt road or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then after after they verbally abused this Tracy Ferguson woman, they started talking about butt fucking. It was it was absolutely irrehensible. Irrehensible. Irre, 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 What's the? Word? I can't even say the word. I can't say irreprehensible. Irreprehensible. <laughs> they they sure as hell can say butt fucking, but they can't say irrehensible. Irrehensible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next story. The higher it scores in Scrabble, the harder we have a time saying it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Taika Waititi is uh, – check this out, guys. He's still in development on his Akira film. So Jordan Peele of Get Out 
passed on this movie and then Waititi was hired and uh, we talked about him working on Jojo Bunny last episode so this film is pretty far off but it's still happening according to this interview with uh, Dazed he said I haven't really started to get my head around it yet what I wanted to do was an adaptation of the books because a lot of people are like don't touch that film and I'm like I'm not remaking the film I want to go back to the book a lot of the people freaking out haven't even read the books, and there are like six gigantic books to go through. It's so rich. But Akira is one of my favorite films. My mom took me to see it when I was 13, and it changed my life. So um, Akira, if you haven't seen it, it's about a secret military project that endangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath that only two teenagers and a group of psychics can stop. Um, who says that Jay, who says that Josh Trank didn't love Akira when he made Chronicle? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Doesn't that sound like Chronicle right there? Yeah, you see, you definitely once you've seen Akira, it's kind of one of those things. Like it's like how you, a lot of pop culture puzzle things kind of get put into place. It definitely has inspired a lot of different stuff you see in yeah. these type of you know cyberpunk sci-fi movies. I haven't watched Akira since like my twenties, man. It's been maybe fifteen years since I've watched Akira, and I've ne- I never read the books. No, I've never read the books either, but I, I've seen it quite a few times. In fact, just recently too. And it's, I always bring it up because it's hard to believe it came out so long ago because that yeah. motorcycle action sequence is still one of the finest animated things I've ever seen. It I came mean, out, it came out in 88, so it's been 30 years. Yeah, unbelievable. It really holds the test of time. And yeah. it's almost like you have to look it up and see it with your own eyes to believe it even did come out in 88. It's so ahead of its time. Joe, Eric, Akira, should this be adapted? And if it's adapted, should Taika Waititi do this? Well, that could be the right director for it. But I'm in the same boat as you. I haven't seen this in you know since my 20s and years yeah. and years. Yeah. But you know, if it's not a reboot and he's just you know carrying on because I didn't even realize there were books, then yeah, I'd be down for it. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Like I'm like you guys. I haven't seen this in forever. Uh, kind of makes me want to go back and, and watch it again. But yeah, yeah. If it's not a reboot, if I, I mean, I love I, I love Taika Waititi. I, I, I'd love to see what he does with it. I think he walks. I, I think I think that he walks. I think like when when it comes down to it, man. I think that I. Th- I think that it's like when he starts on this, when he gets done with the Jojo Bunny movie and it comes down for him to sit down and work with this movie, I I think he's going to walk. I really do. I I think it'll either be studio involvement that has him walk or it's just going to be like he can't get this story together right. And I don't I don't really want it, though. Right. I I guess I'm going to be in the camp of. I don't want Taika Waititi to make the Akira movie. No, Jake, I think I think when I think when you're adapting manga to film, I think we're also I think at that point we're also kind of in the video game to film territory. Like we've seen them try and fail every time. What was it? What was the Ghost in the Shell movie that came yeah, out with Ghost Scarlett in the Shell. That was terrible. Um, I think Death Note was a bit of a failure too. I, yeah, I didn't watch Death Note, so but um, I, I haven't heard anything good about it. I think you're kind of getting into that territory. I would – Taika Waititi, I think the guy is – like like you guys said, like if you want to see somebody do it, you want to see what he can do with it. 
but I think he's smart enough to kind of leave the project. I'm willing to bet that he'll leave. I don't think that a Taika Waititi Akira movie gets made. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to bet that <laughs> I do leaves. not want to see that movie. I don't I love Taika and I love his brand of humor. I do not feel like unless he's planning on really doing something completely different, if it's his humor slapped onto Akira that is a movie I never need to see. Okay, so does he need to go? Because honestly, I feel I feel like he needs to go the Spielberg route with this. I feel like Ready Player One is a Spielberg movie. Eric, me and you did not read the book, and so like when we watch this, we see like that classic Spielberg villain right, in the right. film, and that worked for me. I loved Ben Mendelsohn in Ready Player One. Um, I don't know what was up with his false teeth in the movie. That was a weird choice. But um, <laughs> other than that, I loved his performance in the film, and it just reminded me of, like, classic Spielberg villains. And it's like, you know, and for some people, they can't get past the book. Like, the book is, like, the holy gospel to that. I'm not putting you in that camp, Jake. I'm just saying for some people. No, no, I, I love Mendelssohn with yes. my favorite parts about the movie. I'm just saying for some people, the book is like the holy gospel and like they can't get past that. And I think that's why Ready Player One kind of worked for me because it felt like a Spielberg movie um, to me. And that's what worked because I love Spielberg. But um, I yeah. wonder, like, I don't know, but I don't want to. The, the world of Akira is an interesting world. I really would like to see it cinematically adapted. Like, I do think there's something there. Yeah. And that it could be, look really cool in real life. I want to see that motorcycle action sequence played out in real life with real motorcycles and real special effects. I, yeah, and but real I'm stunts. I think that the, the third act with like that big, um, I don't even know what to call it, a big porous fungus. The big gelatinous blob yeah, that, that, that Tetsuo. Yeah turns into i think that would just be a cgi mess right Jake, is there anyone you can think of offhand that you would like to see adapt this yeah i was thinking about that it's like you want to have before before i saw speed racer i would have said the <laughs> brothers. <laughs> oh yeah so I'm out on that, but I was before that movie existed. I always thought they were kind of perfect. Jake, like after Jake, Jake what what if you got what if you got the Wachowskis to do it, but with a different screenwriter? Like they had to, they weren't writing it. Yeah, I think they'd be great for like if you could get them just to direct and yes. conceive the motorcycle action <laughs> sequence. <laughs> No, no, no. I comparable director for the rest. I fucking agree with you, dude. I I 100% agree with you. I feel like the Wachowskis need to be reined in. Like when they're given free reign, we can, you know, sometimes they can fuck some shit up. Um I did love Cloud Atlas and I you know, um and uh, oh god, I can't even think of the Netflix series that they did. I loved it. Um Oh, Sense8. Sense8. I loved Sense8. But see the thing is, it's like with um I think with something like this, it'd be nice. I would love to see Alex Garland do the screenplay. And then, cause he did a great screenplay with Dread. And he's a great writer. Um, did you guys hear that he's writing a family friendly haunted house movie script? Hmm. That oh, could be that's, interesting. That'll be big money if so. it's good. But yeah, Alex Gar, I would love to see Alex Garland have a crack at like the screenplay on Akira. And then have the Wachowskis direct it, Jake. I think that's a match made in heaven right there. If they could pull that off, yeah. Because I think Akira works. Like I, where 
Ghost in the Shell kind of didn't work, I think Akira does, where it's it's just not as convoluted of a storyline. And when you break it down to its basics, yeah. I think it can be accessible and exciting to a general audience. The, so. the, see, the problem is, you know, if they whitewash it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's cat. Let's cast Matt Damon in the lead. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you and that's one thing you probably would not get from Taika Waititi. I mean, that's no, I would no. put that. Yeah. If I, you know, had my chalkboard pros and cons, yeah. that would definitely go in the pros. But yeah. I don't know. To me, the con, the big con is, is I don't, I don't want sight gag jokes happening during that motorcycle sequence. You know. Oh yeah, Taika might not be the best guy on this then. Yeah, and I love that. You know what I'm saying? I love Thor Ragnarok. Was amazing, and I love it. And it revitalized that character and yeah. that series, and, and everything. But I just don't think that's God. Oh, man. See, the I, thing is, like Jake, like had had this. If this was ni- if this was the year 2000, we would get that Wachowski's Akira movie. But it's not. I mean, like the Wachowskis have pretty much not had the best run in Hollywood since since the first Matrix film. So yeah, there was a time in my life that I seriously, that was like, if you asked me what dr- my dream project was, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about this new J.R.R. Tolkien book coming out uh, this year. Did you guys see this at all? Jeez. Talk about the new Tupac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a- Entertainment Weekly had the story later this year, Hofton Mil- Mif. I almost said Hofton. It's Hofton Mifflin. I almost said Hofflin Mifflin. Dunder Mifflin? I almost said Milfin. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Hi, yeah, yeah. Talking about. About that mom from Lost in Space. (laughs) Talking about. Talking about moms that like anal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Milfs, Milfs might like a butt fuck text message. They might, they might get down for that, you know? All right. Anyway, um, yeah. The, anyway, they're gonna. <laughs> we just we did not throw you a life preserver there. All three of us just left you to die. I don't give a shit. You you don't don't fuck it. Out of this. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna lean into it a little bit more. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Single. No. No. Hold. Hold on. Lonely housewives might enjoy random texts about butt fucking. All right. All right. <laughs> What's that you say? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Hofton Mifflin Harcourt will publish The Fall of Gondolin, a new unpublished story of Middle Earth edited and revised in the book form by Tolkien's son Christopher. Yeah, how, how young do you think Christopher is? He's sixty something, right? I oh, yeah. <laughs> He wishes. <laughs> he wishes. He's fucking ninety three. Oh, he's kidding. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. Uh, yeah, uh, Tolkien's son is ninety three years old. Is he writing the book? Uh, well, yeah, he helped. Uh, he helped edit and revise this book. It's it's based. It's it's it, it's rumored to be Tolkien's notes his his first book yeah. before he did anything so like before this goes back thousands of years in middle earth before uh the lord of the rings and the hobbit and it was supposed to be like notes that he had written down uh first but like 
it never got published. So, so yeah. is it similar similar to the similar alien, but in more of a novel form? Yeah, let me let me read a little bit more about this. The title okay. may sound familiar to Tolkien fans, as the destruction of the hidden city of Gondolin is referenced in the Silmarillion. Here it is again for both the uninitiated and forgetful. During the years that the Dark Lord Morgoth, Sauron's predecessor and mentor, reigned supreme in Middle Earth, his fellow godlike valor refused to intervene against him on behalf of the people of Middle-earth. Only Olmo, the Lord of Waters, worked in secret to help the Noldoran elves. Jesus Christ, this doesn't read well. Um, mm. I, I got another news report. Um, Amazon has just paid $1 billion for this series. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Can you bl- I know you don't want to see it, Jake. We all fucking know you don't want to see the the Lord of the Rings fucking show. But I I still can't wait for it. They're talking about talking about a billion dollars over five seasons. I can't fucking wait. Um, I'm in. I can't wait to see it either. I can't wait to see it. Either. No, no, you can't. Shut the fuck up. No, I, I mean, I wish they would have picked. A franchise that wasn't so tired, That's, but anything, no. anything they spend a billion dollars on, I want to see. I wish you would stop butt-fucking this series. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but uh, it's about, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get back into the world of Middle-earth. Um, Tolkien never actually wrote the tale of Irandel, but the fall of Gondolin will contain Christopher's best sketch of it based on his father's outline. So basically, you know, Christopher's done his best here to put the story together. Um, nobody knows if this is what the Amazon series is going to be based on, but, um, it's, it's more Tolkien. So it'll be interesting when this comes out, but, um, yeah, I just, I, I didn't know what you guys thought of this. I mean, it's just, uh, it's interesting. I'm pretty excited about it. I was a big fan of the Silmarillion and, um, you know, the original Lord of the Rings books and everything when I was in high school and, if Tolkien did one thing well, it was create a very deep and rich history for Middle Earth. Yeah. So if this is based off his notes, there could be some really, really cool stuff in here. That's and what, it sounds like they're not holding back on the pocketbook. So this could be very cool. Well, that's what I see. That's what I don't get. J- Jake, I get it. I, I don't, and that's what I don't get. That's what I get. And that's what I don't get is the fact that like you have this rich universe of Star Wars and all they do is they create like a writer's room. They get a director and they have people write for it. Like George Lucas set up the universe. It's the same fucking thing here. It really Yeah, but is. I don't like the source material. I d- see. I love, I, I love, um, the Hobbit and I like the Lord of the Rings. Like I, I, unlike Joe, I can't sit around and enjoy the Silmarillion. It just, for me, it doesn't work. But like if somebody can take what, whatever is in the Silmarillion, and put it into a story and make great stories from the world of Middle Earth. I love the world of Middle Earth. I want to be back in that world. I really do. I want to have fun in that world. I think there's a lot to do in that world and have you know, orcs and goblins and hobbits and 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 and, and trolls and dwarves and elves. There's I, lots of there's lots of butt fucking in that world. I love that world. Mostly, mostly men. Wow. Hey, why <laughs> why you got to take it that way, huh? Because <laughs> Tolkien has that's one thing I hate about that world is it has no rich female characters whatsoever. Like basically every grand epic fantasy you can tale create one. has been one step better because it has a female character that isn't just a placemat. Ah, you can create they, they can they can fix that and create one, Jake. God, they, oh, they, they can fix it, but the original source material will still be the same. Yeah, the, the, I mean he's writing these back like in the. 
uh, during World War II, and and a lot of the stories reflected like what he what they were going through, um, the wars and things like that back in World War II. And for so, sure, and I respect what it. I mean, it created its own genre upon itself, and it can't be taken away from it. But eh, my opinion is just because it's first doesn't mean it's best. I, yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from, Jake, but I'm 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 more in the Brian camp. I'm interested to see other stories within that universe. And that's the thing that excites me seeing hopefully, you know, some female led characters and some more diversity into that world, something modernizing that material. Cause it's such a great base to work from. They could go a lot of directions with it. And if they do it right, I think it could be fantastic. I would love to eat crow on this. I, I truly would. I would love this to be an awesome show that I'm, it's the next Game of Thrones, and I'm glued every week. But See, that's the thing. I, I can't it's like, help but have a shitty attitude right now. People got to understand, like you know, like like uh, Tolkien was like a like an, like an old crusty white dude when he was writing this shit. He's not going to write for female characters. It's not like Taylor Swift has like her fucking grandfather writing her goddamn songs, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, George R. R. Martin is an old crusty white dude, and it's like, well. There's, yeah, but you're talking. You know, you're, talk, you're talking about. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's right, and I've never read the books, so I don't. I couldn't even tell you what the Game of Thrones books are like. But like you're talking about. You're talking about years later. Tolkien was doing this shit like in the 40, 30s and forties and shit. So. Yeah, I know, and that's why I. I'm fine. I'm more interested in seeing more in this universe than the retelling, like we said before. But. I don't know. I'm still pretty bored and don't have much love for this universe in the first place. Yeah, I just want I want I want to I want to see a fucking orc butt fuck you, Jake. That's what I want to yeah, see. And I love the Peter Jackson like first three movies, <laughs> but I even that I came at from a giant Peter Jackson. I, I came at from a huge bad taste that a live fan and was excited to see this guy do a big budget fantasy epic movie, and he super delivered on it. And by the time we get to the Hobbit, though, like. I have no love for the franchise, and that was just such a milking of it. And oh, the Hobbits, the Hobbit movies were not good. I, I agree. Yeah, I couldn't believe yeah. that they stretched those into three fucking movies. Yeah, that book and paperback that. is seriously like three quarters of an inch. They they, yeah. like, they incorporated gonna, they incorporated parts of the Silmarillion into it. So yeah, yeah, I've still not seen all the the um, the Hobbit ones. But, you know, I, you might be in luck with the Orc Buttfuck Fest in this one. I see the first episode is called uh, Fellowship of the Prolapse, uh, Prolapsed Anus. Fuck that, like, joke. Fuck. No, 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 no. I, I still like it. Like, even though, like, you didn't land it that well. You know what I mean? Honestly, like, like if, if you – oh, it's kind of – it's kind of – yeah, like, when you're trying to, like, stick – like, oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm not. No. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Oh, where's it going here? Uh-oh. I'm just saying, like, you know, there's been times where I've actually tried to put my penis in a certain spot and accidentally put it in the butthole. So, you know, and been told, like, hey. Sometimes you're drinking. Yeah, you know. So, uh, let's see here. Watchersonthewall.com had an article on Game of Thrones titled Season 8 Just Finished Filming the Longest Battle Shoot in Game of Thrones History. So uh, in the article, they talk about uh, two of the largest battles that we've seen in Game of Thrones, Battle of the Bastards, of course, and then the Loot Train Ambush. Um, both of those battles took about a month of production. This battle that they just shot was 55 days, so that's nearly two months. Uh, the battle will be epic by the sounds of it. Assistant Director Jonathan Quinlan said 55 consecutive nights, 11 weeks, three locations – 
you'll never again see anything like it. <laughs> I'm going I'm to refer to it as the battle of butt fucking. <laughs> I didn't see that coming, Jake. I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know if Joe Joe Stark was going to try to say the, his joke again either. The battle of the <laughs> prolapsed butt bowls or whatever. <laughs> at least, at least I delivered my bad joke. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, we're all having performance issues this episode. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, he said he then sent out an intergram, inst- a pentagram. Yeah, he then sent out a pentagram post. Um, he sent out an Instagram post to the cast and crew that said this before it was actually deleted on Instagram. This is for the Night of Dragons, for enduring 55 straight nights, for enduring the cold, the snow, the rain, the mud, the sheep shit of tomb, and the winds of Megaron Morn. When tens of millions of people around the world watch this episode a year from now, they won't know how hard you worked. They won't care how tired you were or how tough it was to do your job in sub-freezing temperatures. They'll just understand that what they're watching is something that they've never seen before. And that's because of you. So, like, this is going to be – apparently they're hyping this up to be fucking epic, man. And, I like, Jake, I got to feel like they know what they're doing. Like, Battle of the Bastards – it's one of the fucking coolest things I've ever seen on TV. The loot train ambush, one of the other coolest things I've ever seen on television, on a tel- on, on an insane HBO Game of Thrones budget. <laughs> so yeah, for sure, it finally get like we finally got to see dragons like in the mix. Like we basically yeah. been wanting that since season one, right? In that yeah. loot train battle. Oof. Okay, so 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 we're getting we're getting six episodes in season eight. I, are they going to deliver on this? Like last season, we kept thinking, like, oh, we kept we kept hearing, like, oh, some of these episodes are going to be like an hour and a half, two hours. None of them were. They were all little, maybe a little over an hour. Some of them, but none of them. Yeah, were like, I've heard a lot of. I've heard a lot of talk this time about that too. That they're all going to be like ninety minute yes, episodes. Yes, I've heard ninety minutes to two hours. You know, so I I hope they deliver on that this time. I, I would I would love to see some ninety minute episodes followed by a two hour finale. Yeah, I think that finale really needs to be two hours to wrap it all up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's going to be a crazy Sunday night. The last yeah. – like, I was a little bit um, – the last season of Game of Thrones kind of made me not as happy as a fan as I have been. Yeah. But it's still – like, I'm still excited to see how it's all going to end. I mean, I've been on this train for this long. It's I, I, I can't get off now. We got to blame – we got to blame Martin, right, for not writing that goddamn book, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess no one can just deliver twists and turns that you don't see coming on a level that Martin did. And to me, I guess that's the biggest problem of it all is the last season just fell into that. Yeah. You kind of saw yeah. everything coming I think that trope. The, sh- the showrunners are great when they have the source material in front of them. I mean, we've seen them deliver on the source material. But I also feel like have they had they had the source material, like the proper source material from Martin, we're at least getting three more seasons of this show. It feels like that last season, season seven was just like, we're steamrolling through some shit. Yeah. And they're just sprinting yeah. to the finish. I still enjoy yeah. I still enjoyed it, but I'm not going to lie. Like it did feel different. Like there was a lot of orgasmic moments in that last season with like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Oh my God. These characters are meeting each other for the first time. Oh my God. These characters are seeing each other for the first time since season one. Oh my God. Those two characters are butt fucking each other. You know, there was a lot <laughs> of that in that last season, but it wasn't, 
like you know like there was very slow payoff in previous seasons and this season was just like oh my god like we're skipping like you know like the pizza delivery guy knocking on the door and then oh my car broke down and oh this happened and now we're finally fucking this was just like right out of the gates like dick enters vagina dick enters butthole we're we're banging and that was the whole season like there was no i mean anything else behind it a lot of sex not a butt fucking in this episode jake a lot. <laughs> oh, in this episode of PCL? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I don't know how they... laughter. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> what, are you t- what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you... Do you know something I don't know? Maybe. <laughs> Eric Wade sounds a little excited. What's going on over there? <laughs> Eric, you've already, you've already invaded way too much. You're not invading there. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, uh, saying Michelle burnt up at that what? Uh, uh, they call him Eric. Wait a second. Whoa, I didn't give you permission. <laughs> Eric, wait on in there. Uh no. no. Um I'm I'm look I'm still looking forward to the final season of Game of Thrones. I do feel I know, I know, Jake, you have no sympathy for the book readers, but I, I think, like, I think if the book readers have their book, I think it benefits everybody. I think it benefits the showrunners and everybody if we have those books out now. And it's, it's, oh, just, I, I agree with that. It's just a damn shame. I think, I think it hurts George R. I think it hurts George R. R. Martin too. Like, th- th- we're getting reveals about his, his show, about his book. We're getting reveals about his book before the books are even out. Like, like that Hodor, Hodor reveal, I thought was amazing, and like he didn't even get to like have that in a book. It's sad. It's sad. and it makes you wonder, like, is that will it go down that way in the book still? Yeah. Like, well, it, yeah, that's it, kind it, of it a does. weird thing it too, does. right? Is that that's two one of different endings for this whole thing? That's the they. That's the Hodor thing. Is uh, as far as I've heard is one of his bullet points for the book. Like, that's the way it would have gone down. So, yeah. It's just so weird because yeah. it's like, okay, so is that the way it's still going to go down? Well, like, so- it sucks for him because it's it feels like since he didn't come out with it in his book first, he doesn't get credit for that. Like, the first way people are seeing this is on TV. They're not reading about it in his book. And I, I think it ultimately hurts him. I agree with that. I agree with that. There's so many people that once there's access to the show could give a shit about a book. Yeah. Uh, this next story, I just want to really, I want to say it really quick. Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, the showrunners of Westworld, rickrolled everybody. Okay. I didn't want to get into this. They rickrolled everybody. Did you guys see this or hear about this? Yes. No. Yeah. Okay. So. Like they were talking about on Reddit, uh, they had an ask me, uh, ask me anything, a Reddit AMA, and they were like, we will give out the full season two spoilers for Westworld if, uh, we get a thousand upvotes on this. And basically our reasoning behind it is like all the speculating on Reddit with your theories. You guys did a great job last year of like guessing what, uh, the spoilers were. You guys were right on the spoilers. And so, We've seen how Game of Thrones did it in previous seasons. People had those spoilers at their fingertips and they guarded those spoilers so other fans wouldn't be ruined. And so we'll just, we, as a social experiment, if we get a thousand upvotes on this post, we will give you season two 
Westworld spoilers and hope that, you know, fans on Reddit will will just respect that. So it was going to be the first, like a social experiment, like the first of its kind where they give us all like the, you know, the answers. And so like the, the next day it had like 4,000 upvotes. And so what happens is they release the video and the video starts off like pretty legit and it goes through and it talks about Bernard waking up on a beach and there's stubs and all this shit and talking about like the aftermath of everything that happened. And then they get to um, Evan Rachel Wood and she starts singing um, the Rick Astley song, Never Gonna Give You Up, Never Gonna Let You Down. Like, so basically it's a whole Rick roll. And so, yeah, and then like the next like 20 minutes is just like a dog at a piano. <laughs> so the whole thing was the whole thing was just a joke. And so like I there are still people out there that haven't watched this video because they really think it's a legit spoiler video. They don't want to know. And so it's it's all bullshit. I thought it was funny. A lot of people are legit pissed at Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy about this. And it's like it's funny. It's funny. I I am I I do think it would have been kind of a cool social experiment had they done it though. I wonder how me and Ashley, we do Sweetwater Saloon, the Westworld podcast, and like me and her are literally texting each other like what are you going to do? Are you going to, and she, Ashley was like, I'm tempted, but I don't want to. And I'm like, I told her I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to look at the spoilers. If this is legit, I'm not going to look at the spoilers. But then on the flip side, we're like, we're wondering how we're going to do the show. Like, are we going to have to shut down our social media accounts? Like, am I going to have to shut down like the Sweetwater Saloon Twitter feed, the, the Facebook page? Cause like, I don't want to be spoiled from other people. So it was causing problems for us there. Like we didn't know what to do. <laughs> So I, I'm glad that they didn't spoil the whole season, and I can't wait for it. That would have been fucking nuts. <laughs> We're just going to tell you everything right now. Have fun podcasting. Right? <laughs> did, every, did everybody here watch Westworld? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. You guys ready to move into Marvel News? Always. All right. Yep. Mar- Marvel News. Marvel news. Yeah, Jake, I think all the, I'm gonna be honest with you, I think all the, the talk of, uh, butt fucking is gonna garner some one star reviews. I think we see, I think I see some of those in our future. Mm, not gonna be as popular as Falcon Crest, you don't think? No, it's not, like, Falcon Crest was like, oh my god, ha, fa- Falcon Crest. I, 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 I think, like, I don't think that our buttholes are gonna go unscathed. Next week, when we get one star reviews for for repeatedly bringing up butt fucking in a juvenile manner, Jake, I blame you. I it was <laughs> at first I didn't think it was cool, and then you made it cool, and then I wanted to jump on that train. <laughs> oh man, Brian, That'd be a great title for you, dude. Brian, yeah. the guy who made butt fucking cool again. <laughs> I'm bringing butt fucking back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Jessica Jones season three has been ordered by Netflix. It's happening. It's quick news, guys. I just wanted to bring it up. I also am going to say I seriously look for these shows to stay on Netflix. I, I, I don't think Jessica Jones is going anywhere. I don't think 
Punisher's going anywhere. I, I don't think they're going to the Disney streaming. I think Netflix is going to be the home for the, uh, for the Daredevil, for the Jessica Jones, for the, for the Iron Fist, for the Luke Cage, for the Punisher. Hopefully for the Moon Knight. I agree. I agree. There's oh, a yes. strict no butt fucking policy probably on the Disney. Hey, when did so. you see when did you see any butt fucking happening on anything Punisher? I thought it was definitely alluded to in Jessica Jones season one. Really? When? Who was getting butt fucked in Jessica Jones season one? Jessica Jones herself, right? Didn't she got butt fucked in that in that season by who? By Luke Cage, right? Luke Cage was butt fucking Jessica Jones. <laughs> what? That's the way I wrote it what in the my f- fantasy fiction. <laughs> hold on, hold on. If if you found out that the Punisher liked butt fucking, would you call him the Punisher? <laughs> Wait, you mean that's that's not why he was making all those grunting noises? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Honestly, it's the person on the other end of that butt fuck that makes the grunt noises. So maybe, hey, maybe, maybe John Bernthal is a power bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he'd be the punishy. No. <laughs> oh God, I can just hear those one stars being typed up right now. Uh, I was um, thinking the Punisher. I said the Punisher like ten seconds oh. ago. Like where? Oh, where have you been? <laughs> Did you not hear me say that? No, I must have heard. I must have heard a P there. Sorry. <laughs> 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 oh, Jake. oh my god welcome to the conversation jake that was hilarious <laughs> oh, oh man this god. is our worst episode this ever. is terrible i am not a fan i am not a fan of what's going on here. <laughs> i hate when i'm the first one to say that oh god no i'm glad you did say it um I don't even want to talk about this next story. Let me move on. Here we go. I think it might, I don't know, it might reinvigorate this whole butt fucking conversation. I know. I need like a fucking like mint or something. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Deadline is reporting that the Disney Fox deal could close as soon as summer 2019. Um, here's the what the report is. While there had been uh, some optimistic early estimates from that deal, announced last December, uh, could go through regulatory approval faster. Rice, uh, Peter Rice, who's the president at Fox, told Fox employees that the transaction will most likely be completed by spring-summer 2019 and end of summer 2019 at the latest. That would fall within the conservative 18-month initial projection. The original expectations were that the deal would close in 12 to 18 months. So, yeah, wow. Uh, that's coming up. Ooh. That's, yeah, that, that would be around the 18 month mark. You guys getting butt fucked or what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mostly was on mute because I had the giggles there, but, um, yeah, that's, that's a lot of Fox employees getting butt fucked in about eighteen months, right? Yeah, yeah. And That's about terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. It's sad. So I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it looks like it's gonna happen sooner rather than later. Um if that happens in two thousand nineteen, they could start I mean, they literally could start once that happens, they could start writing stuff. 
for X-Men and for Fantastic Four. And I'd say at the soonest, we could probably see Fantastic Four and X-Men stuff in the MCU by 2021. Think? If not sooner. Yeah, I do. I think they want to fast track that as fast as possible. See, the thing is... You would think they would start working ahead, even though knowing the deal's coming, that they would have some things in place to try to take advantage. Yeah, you got to think, like, how much they want to do it. Okay, and like if they really feel that the deal is going to go through, because like if it does fall out, it doesn't mean that they haven't like if they have somebody start working on this now and it goes into like, you know, pre-production, they have people developing this shit now. If it falls out, they still have to pay the people that they've hired, you know, for the work that they've done. So, you know, just like the the original writer for Toy Story 3, like. He got paid. <laughs> Even though they didn't use his script, he got paid. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where they, I don't know, we'll see. Like, I think that they are pretty confident. And if they do start working on stuff now, we could probably, we could even see stuff as soon as 2020. So we'll see. Cause they could start, they could start filming, initially filming in 2019 and, and signing deals in 2019. And we could have stuff as soon as 2020, depending on the project. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think I think they want to do that too. You could be. I mean, they've got the money. You know, they've got the money to do it. And I want to talk about how much money they're going to make here for Avengers: Infinity War. Avengers: Infinity War pre-sales have outsold the last seven Marvel movies combined. Have you guys that's heard about ridiculous. this? So basically, that's Black Panther pre-sales, Thor Ragnarok, Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Doctor Strange, Captain America Civil War, and Ant-Man. So Avengers Infinity War pre-sales on Fandango have outsold the last seven Marvel movies combined. I know I'm one of them. You can count me in there. I've purchased my ticket. And this is insane. So, um, basically, yeah, that's that's nuts, man. Like, you hear it every time for every new Marvel movie, and you kind of go, "Well, you know, if the technology gets more accepted every time, so of course the next movie has higher presale numbers." But this kind of blows that theory out of the water when you hear it's all seven movies combined. You know? Well, hold on. the The previous presales record holder was set in 2015, Furious Seven. Oof. So it's not like it's wow. not it's so uh, this is for uh April pre-sales record. I'm not talking about you know like ever cuz Black Panther did did fantastic in February, but um I'm talking about April. But early box office projections have put Avengers Infinity Wars opening weekend between 175 million and 200 million. But um, it could rise within the next, you know, few weeks, um, wow. couple, a couple weeks, excuse me, leading up to the movie. So when I said that this movie, when we talked, Jake, earlier in, in a previous episode, I, I said that this movie could make more than Avengers and Black Panther. I, I, I think it will. And I, I, if this movie is good, it's going to get those repeat viewings and it could have legs and it could just I think it could rival Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah, I think it'll make more money than Last Jedi. I, I really do. I think even more so than Avengers 1, they've created such an event 
Mm-hmm. That it's people yeah. that don't see people that will see one movie in the decade. It'll be this movie. Okay, it's going to be that kind of movie. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me ask you this then. I'm going to make this harder on you. Okay, I said the last Jedi, but like, will it beat the Force Awakens domestic haul? Um, I think again. I think I would bet yes. You're kidding me! No, no. There's yeah. no way. There is. I would bet yes. I think it'll get close. Marvel, it'll be. It'll no. come in number two. It'll come in number two. But I think a billion dollars domestically will not get beaten for a long time. I don't. Think- no. Let's let's make it official. I'll take this bet because I think. Marvel movie characters are way more socially acceptable than Star Wars movie characters. All right, all right. If that made that, then this is like such a bookend Marvel movie. Okay. I, I really think it's going to potentially blast that out of the water. I'm saying it'll yeah, it'll yeah, it'll, it'll come close, but I I do not think that it will make. I do not think that it will beat the Force Awakens domestically. Okay. Overall, yeah. to overall totals. With international, it could beat The Force Awakens, um, but domestically, I do not think it'll beat The Force Awakens. I think one thing you have going in your favor is the timing of it all. Um, with the December release of The Force Awakens, it pretty much dominates the kind of blockbuster popcorn movie feel for a couple months with really no stiff competition, where the Avengers will have that going against it. You know, it'll be blockbuster after blockbuster well, after that definitely went into my decision and saying that it would i mean it might come in second it might come in yeah. second but I, I don't think domestically i don't think anybody's going to be able to touch that billion dollars domestically for a long fucking time yeah i i agree with all your logic it's definitely a bet i'm a gambling man so i'm willing to roll the dice but i'm i'm not confident i'm not betting the house on this so yeah pre-sales were huge on this one um, we don't even know if the movie's good. I mean, this could be another, in my opinion, it could be another, we don't know. It could be another Age of Ultron and not have legs. People might not, people might see this and be like, how many times do I want to see Captain America die? <laughs> um, so we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. I can't wait for this movie. Fucking like two more weeks. Yeah, right? it's oh, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I have not there, pre-ordered my a, tickets. Yeah, if there was a franchise out there that could do it, though, it would have to be the MCU. That's, it would be able to actually compete with Star Wars. I know, I know, I know. I think that there's a chance it'll definitely beat. It'll definitely beat Iron Man three. It'll beat Black Panther. It'll beat the Avengers in overall box office haul. And it could. It. I mean, it could beat the Force Awakens total overall. But I don't think domestically it'll beat it. I think it would have to be with international totals. I that billion dollars domestically has never been done before. I don't think that I don't think it beats it. I really don't. I think it'll come in a close second. I do. I mean, it'll probably do like like eight hundred million plus domestically, but I don't think that it'll be able to have the legs to beat one billion dollars domestically. That's that's insane. Like when that happened, it was just like, okay, that's a record that I can see sitting there for a long time. Now, if I'm wrong, fuck, you know. yeah, I think you're probably right. I definitely think that stiff competition is going to play a big part. So, so. there's definitely going to be other movies to see within weeks of Avengers coming out. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've got uh, April and then like a couple weeks later, you're, you're seeing Deadpool, right? Yeah, 
Exactly, which is the exact same audience. And so that's two, definitely going to hurt its chances. Well, two weeks after that, you're fucking uh, Disney's competing with themselves on uh, Memorial Day with uh, Solo. So, you yeah, know, there you go. You know, same audience yeah, again. It, literally a month later, you know, it's like right now, Black Panther's still doing gangbusters because they're, I mean, people still want to see that movie in the theaters right now. There's really nothing to, to kind of compete. I, I mean, I've seen it four times personally, you know, and I'm still wanting to see it one more time before it leaves theaters. So it's that good. Um, Joe and Can we do a Jake break real quick? Oh, number two. Ding, God, ding, ding. going right through me. Ding, I'm sorry. ding, ding. Good the last Woo! couple episodes, but this one's uh, right in me. <laughs> oh, man. And the, the excuses. The excuses are – you're even you're even up in the excuses. They're so good. They're so good, Jake. The excuses are they, – they are not excuses. They are no. the truth. We've been talking about butt-fucking so much. Jake is just like, ah. Well, yeah, I'll just talk about no, butt fucking. I got to no. replace my batteries anyway. All right, guys. I, was, I wish I would was more turned on by that. Then I wouldn't have to pee so bad. Man, this is a weird, <laughs> weird episode. We should not be talking about butt fucking. How did that? Who did that? <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, did I now? So shocking. You know, we blame Eric. All right, let's. Uh, I'll take the heat. I'll take the heat. <laughs> let's take a pause for the cause. We'll be right back. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt, and the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. Alright, hey, we're back. I got, hold on, my cat, what are you, what the fuck are you doing? Of course I hit record right when my cat, no, I got, I'm sorry, sorry guys, you're not here. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right, guys, uh, we're skipping DC news this week. It's it's garbage. It's terrible. It's not even worth talking about. Okay, Batgirl movie is still being made. All right, they're still making it. They got a new screenwriter. Okay, they hired a new screenwriter. They're going ahead with Batman and uh, Aquaman is getting released one week early in the UK. There's your DC news. All right. Now go butt fuck each other, okay? <laughs> oh, we also had those awful fucking set photos from Teen, Teen Titans. Titans. That, oh my god! Up. Terrible, 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 <laughs> terrible. It'll look better in post. Settle down. Oh, says the guy who hates everything DC. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks, Jake. <laughs> I am the biggest defender of DC. I'm trying to step up like the noble knight I am. Ah, whatever. Guys, are you ready for some Star Wars news? 
Oh yeah. This episode is the worst we've ever put out, Dave. <laughs> no question. <laughs> what other podcast can you make a, a drinking game out of the word butt fucking? <laughs> I defy you to find it. I don't know that that's a positive. I don't know that that goes on the pro side of the board. Oh, absolutely does. Dude, I seriously went off on Tracy Ferguson at the beginning of the episode. Like, I know, I know. Insane. And then it was like, and then we, and then we became our own worst fear afterwards. Well, it was like, okay, there was a part of my thinking that was like, okay, I can't stand this woman. I think she's a crazy bitch. But on the flip side, there was a part of me that was thinking like there might be Tracy Ferguson defenders out there. And I fucking hate them too. Jake, then you kind of lump yourself in with them for a moment. <laughs> no. And then I, I could tell you got real mad. I did. I did. I was like, what the fuck? How the fuck? Why the fuck are you defending this bitch? And then <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I hope Jake gets butt fucked tonight. And then <laughs> this episode is terrible. It's not, there's, there's, there's nothing. I mean, there's, there's really, uh, yeah. I mean, and there's nothing like, um, like the humor is just so like, it's like low hanging fruit, like low hanging fruit, dumb humor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I like previous contenders for worst episode ever. Like yeah. we've been able to blame guest. Yeah. And unfortunately that's not the problem no, here. I think. No. <laughs> so that's really just hard. No. It's, it's definitely, it was like, it was like me when I made the decision to, to talk about butt fucking like that was like yeah i think that was- <laughs> and then me helping to make it a running gag was probably one of the worst decisions i've ever made yeah on, on yeah air. yeah we were both kind of just like you know like we, we we're digging our heels in the sand and we're gonna lean into this butt fucking gag <sighs> and see how it goes and it's really kind of bitten us in the asses. We're kind of we're the ones getting butt fucked now. <laughs> oh, the irony! <laughs> we tried. We tried to go more highbrow with additional terms like no, we, we did not. Oh, uh, but we, we, that's one thing we did not do. We try to go more highbrow. We, we have not tried that option yet. No, we've definitely gone lowbrow, and we're taking it <laughs> in the low brown right now. We're it's taking. We're taking it in the. Uh, <laughs> It's rid- dude. What happened to the days of Falcon Crest, Jake? When we were funny, uh, <laughs> when our humor was sophisticated. I know when we were talking about old ladies that liked wine. Now we're talking about now we're talking about butt fucking and, and and you know just I don't know I don't hey my cat is really having a, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> All right. It's like- what up? Yeah, what up <laughs> Get all up in this shit. Yeah, I know. I know. Anytime I talk about butt fucking, this fucker gets a little riled up. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Dad talking about butt fucking again. Meow, meow, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh, this episode. This episode is terrible. Hey, guys, let's talk about this Han Solo breakdown. Did I play the bumper for Star Wars News? Oh, man, I need the bumper. It'll be a nice palate cleanser. I'll play it. You can't hear it anyway. Here we go. All 
All right, so the trailer starts off with Han Solo getting bucked up by, <laughs> by Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's basically, it's just Han, Han Solo getting hit with a bunch of Wookiee breath on the back of his neck. So there we go, yeah. guys. You see, you see Chris Lord and Phil Miller, and then they get butt fucked. Yeah. All right, guys. So, um, did everybody watch this, or did, are there any spoiler uh, like trailer pussies on this? Uh, no, I, did, I didn't. There's a new Han Solo trailer. Yeah, it's, it's trailer number two. Oh shit! Shut up! Are you fucking? No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Eric, Sorry. Eric, did you see it? Yeah. Joe, you saw it. Uh, I think I saw it, but I'm not. A, I'm not a spoiler pussy, anyways. All right, all right. Here we go. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, trailer begins in an industrial facility that looks like it's set on Han Solo's home planet of Corellia, and then we get a shot of an Imperial Star Destroyer being constructed in the sky. Um, and uh, we know that there are Imperial shipyards on Corellia, so. That's why we're assuming that this is Corellia that we're seeing here. We see Han Solo walking towards what looks like a, a bunch of homeless people on the planet of Corellia. I don't know what's going on there. We get a voiceover after this shot, and uh, through the next few shots, we hear Amelia Clark say, uh, as the character Kira, you're after something. Is it revenge, money, or is it something else? And then we get a shot of the sandy beachside village, um, that features the new villain, Enfy's Nest, standing with her warriors. Um, and yes, Enfy's Nest, as far as Wikipedia has it, Jake, Eric, Joe, is a female character. Enfy's Nest was a, this is how it says on uh, Wikipedia, Enfy's Nest was a female pirate who led a gang of pirates known as the Cloud Raiders during the reign of the Galactic Empire. At some point, Nest came across Tobias and Hans, uh, Tobias Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson and Han Solo. Nest wore a battle helmet and was an extremely dangerous marauder, quickly forged an infamous reputation for herself and her gang. So the Cloud Raiders, they're called the Cloud Raiders because they terrorize the skies in their swoop, the, these flying swoop bikes. So I don't know. That could be kind of cool. See that. Yeah, I love swoop bikes. I'm excited to see more of those. Um, Han Solo, we get a shot of Han Solo entering the bar, and Lando Calrissian is there doing gambling with uh, aliens surrounding him. We see Kira and Han reunited in another scene after some time, and they're uh, they're in a classy establishment where um, it looks like she's taken one path, kind of like an upper class path since they since they last met. And he's kind of this smuggler. So the place that they meet at in this shot, I found out it's owned by Dryden Voss, who is played by Paul Bettany's character in the film. And then we see him later in the trailer. He's the character with the scratches. He plays Vision in uh, the Marvel movies. But uh, we see him later in this trailer. He's got he's the guy with the scratches all over his face. And he's apparently he's a crime lord who's involved in the deepest, like, seediest crime in, in, in this universe. So, uh, he has zero relation to Quinlan Voss. Um, and then he's also the crime lord that talks to, to Tobias Beckett and gives him the job that Tobias eventually asks Han to join with him in, 
um, later in the trailer. Like the whatever kind of like heist, they're going to try to rob that train. So basically that whole job is set up by Dryden Voss. And um, Tobias Beckett puts together a team, and the team looks like it's going to be um, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Val, played by Tandy Newton, L-337, the droid, and then Lando Calrissian. Cool? Cool. All right, guys. Um, the heist is whatever they're getting off the train. So I found out that the train is called the Con- the Convoy X. And if you look up the Convoy X on Wikipedia, the Convoy X was a train active during the reign of the Galactic Empire. During this time, the Convoy X was a valuable cargo that Han Solo sought to steal in order to prove his skills. So what is on the train? What's on the Convoy X? We have no idea. Do you guys have any guesses? I, w- I was always guessing Spice. I think from the, reading the old expanded universe stuff. I think that we're going to go to the Spice Mines of Castle, but I don't know if what's on the train Spice. Hmm, I just it would be. I'm, I'm just making a wild guess. It's yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind. It would connect the two things together. I think if there's that, like a smuggling ring going on with it. I think that the Spice Mines of Castle is where Han is going to free Chewbacca. Chewbacca is a slave on the Spice Mines of Castle. Or you know what I mean. Yeah, I agree with that, but I maybe maybe this is them moving the drug all over the place. Maybe they're trying to get Old Spice, the cologne. <laughs> mm. Right, right. Oh, that's a pretty that's a pretty good tie-in. Right, there. right. Well, maybe that's why they work out good for this uh, job, though. Is that if that train is because that was on Kessel, right? The or the, was the that train? what the Spice Mines were. The spice mines are on Kessel, but the train on Convoy X, the Convoy X uh-huh. train is on a planet called Vandor, which is ah, very, Vandor is very confusing because like there's also, Vandor is like made up of Vandor 1 and Vandor 3, and like one of them's like a jungle planet, one of them, one of them's like a, like a snow planet, so I don't know if they're different moons or whatever, but there's Vandor 1, Vandor 3, so I, don't, I didn't research it too much, but I, I don't want. I don't want to spend like an hour researching Vandor planets. So, <laughs> I, but anyway, Han talks about being a good pilot, and then we see this shot of a ship that was seen in the first trailer, but this time it's being flanked by a group of other ships, and we also see that there's a container between them. All the ships have a cable tied to the container, and it looks like this might be. What the uh, what the heist on the train is all about? The convoy X is all about. Um, there's a scene where Han might be in an Imperial guard outfit, um, and he's talking to an Imperial officer. Um, so there's a chance that this could be a scene while he's still in the Imperial Academy, um, possibly with Tobias Beckett, because we've seen those shots in um, released photos, um, leaked photos. So maybe he maybe he flees the imperial um, school, or maybe he's kicked out. I don't know. Um, we see Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson, kiss his gun and toss it to Han, and this is where I think Han gets the DL forty four blaster that we've seen him with in every film. This is probably he probably gets that blaster from Tobias Beckett. 
Um, and then we, I believe that there's going to be lots of those winks and lots of those connectors. So yeah. I think that's a very, yeah. that's a very great guess. We see Han and Chewie walking up the steps of an old abandoned building. Uh, it's a, it's an old structure and, and it looks like it's on the same snowy planet as the Convoy X train. Uh, it's probably on Vandor. Uh, we see these giant tusks outside and it looks like the Mandalorian skull symbol called the Cribes that, that, um, bounty hunter, um, Boba Fett wore on his armor. So the symbol is basically on the skull of the mythosaur, which was a huge reptile species that were native to the planet Mandalore, but um, was driven to extinction. So this might be – I'm not saying we're getting Boba Fett in the movie. This might just be an Easter egg towards that. This might be a con, like, a, a, like a construction, like a, a housing for Mandalorian warriors. Mm, I'd be shocked if we didn't get – a Bubba Fett presence in this movie. Just downright shocked. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go that way. It sounds like they've already got another bounty hunter involved in this one, and I'll go over that here in a moment. Um, okay. It's just so crazy that they wouldn't, you know, capitalize on that here. Uh, there's more possible Mandalorian connections in the trailer. Uh, the villain Enfys Ness's helmet looks like the Cribes symbol. Um which means that uh, the building, like I said, could belong to Emphy's Nest and his warriors. Uh, Emphy's is um, Emphy's Nest. When we first see this trailer, is on a desert planet, not on Vandor. Um, so that's interesting. So I don't know about that. Uh, another detail on the helmet are scratches above the visor, which look like the symbol of the Death Watch, a division of Mandalorian warriors. So. Um, it, Another another tease towards Mandalorians and Mandalorian uh, warriors. Uh, we get Beckett asking in a voiceover, you got a line on this ship? And then Kira says that she knows a guy and calls him the best smuggler around. So that's how Han meets Lando. He, he meets he Lando through Kira. So Lando tells Han, everything you've heard about me is true. And then we're inside a bar now where we see some bright flashing lights behind a cage and if you look at this scene behind the cage it looks like inside it is a droid fight so not only do you see like you know them playing you know cards for money but there's probably some gambling going on where people are betting on droid fights as well in this ball that's hardcore and in this scene if you look there's a scene there's a character in this scene that we see that was in Rogue One. And the character is called Tampasla. It's at the 58-second mark in the trailer. You see Tampasla standing behind Han Solo. Tampasla, if you look him up on Wikipedia, was a lawman of the Milvane Authority, a law enforcement agency based on Milvane. He worked on a case involving a series of crimes on Milvane, including kidnapping, forced servitude, and surgical alteration all thought to have been carried out by a pair of visitors to the world using the aliases Rufu and Saki. In reality, the criminals, Cornelius Evazan and Pandababa. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that Tying cool? them back into the uh, second flashback movie again. So he, so basically, Tom Posla was a character 
in Rogue One, they didn't name the character in the film. He's a background character. He's walking through the Temple City of Jeddah. He's looking for Cornelius, Evazan, and Pandababa, which we also saw them. They're wanted on how many star systems? So he's searching for them. He's a bounty hunter searching for them. And here he is again in this movie. So it's like they, that might tie into this as well. I think that that's kind of funny. Um, they fleshed out a story in the Rogue One Ultimate Visual Guide. And that's where they gave him this whole backstory of making him a bounty hunter that's, ser- you know, that's searching for, for these characters. Um, and he did survive Jeddah, so that's why we're going to see him here. Actually, Jeddah happened after this. This happens before. This happens before all that shit on Jeddah. Maybe before and after, right? Because we're doing a lot of time jumping in this movie from even what with, I knew. Even with the six years, though, I don't think – this movie's not supposed to end with it, like, ending right where A New Hope started. It Okay. Because, like, the end of Rogue One starts right where the beginning of A New Hope started. This yeah, movie, it's like right up against its butt. This movie is not going to end with Han Solo in, you know, Moss Eisley in the cantina with – you know, that's not happening at the end of this movie. We're not seeing Luke walk into the cantina and meet up with Chewbacca and Han for the first time with Obi-Wan Kenobi. That is not happening. I promise you it's not happening. So, Agreed. Um, we get to see a lot more of the female droid in this trailer, L337, who's played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And she's kind of like, a, she's a robot. She's got an attitude. And we see her grab this guy's face. Um in this movie, she's going to be Lando's sidekick, just like Chewbacca is the sidekick of Han Solo. And knowing Jake, that we don't see her in The Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> it makes me believe that she, that that theory that that this droid actually does become a personality within the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I, I love that theory a lot. I hope that I hope it is true. We get a shot of the Millennium Falcon in a mining area, so this could be parts of the Kessel Run that we're seeing in the trailer. We see Han enter the Falcon for the first time, and it looks like love at first sight. Um, that scene was very cool. We get Beckett telling Han, if you come with us, you're in this life for good, talking about the smuggler life. Uh, Lando and L-337 are the pilots of the Falcon when we see them in the trailer so far, and Lando says to Han, you better buckle up, baby. So... Han, it looks like Han is not the owner of the Falcon yet. Um, and that, that's gotta happen in the game. We gotta have a card game where that happens. Yeah, Winnie in the game of Sabak, is that mm-hmm. what it's called? Exactly, yeah, it's Sabak. Um, we get the shot of the Convoy X twisting and turning before the heist. That was an awesome shot, I love that. Um, we had, we had, okay, so basically, we have a shot early in the trailer. We see Han with his blaster. And they, like, zoom in on it, kind of like, like the old Western movies. Where, like, you know, like, like the quick and the, like, I, I know it's a newer Western movie, but like the quick and the dead, with like, um. Oh, the old Raimi, uh, Sharon Stone yeah, movie. I love that movie, by the way. I love it too. But, mm-hmm. um, they get a shot of, like, him, you know, getting ready to like grab his blaster and it looks like very like 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 a western movie shot and then and then we get this shot of the convoy x that's twisting and turning right before they pull off this heist and it reminds me of like the train robberies and like the old western movies and i i for all the people that are talking about how like this movie is going to be like a, a western 
I 100% believe that. You know, we get like the, the showdown between him and like the cloud guards or whatever they're calling them. And then like here again, we're getting like an old Western, you know, train heist. But of course it's like in this science fiction fantasy Star Wars world. Um, we then get Imperial troops with these magnetic boots boots on that are trying to protect the train. So whatever is on the train is probably that, that Han and Beckett are trying to steal. I don't know if they knew that it was owned by the Empire, but it is because <laughs> the Imperial <laughs> troops are on the train. So I think it if I think it'll be funny if they get on this train thinking it's going to be an easy job and do not realize that the that this is the Empire's cargo that they're stealing. And I think that that would be fun to work with. Yeah, I think that would be fun. It's a very classic Han Solo scenario yeah. where you just keep up in the ante for something he didn't want to be involved with in the first place. Well, I don't, I think that he kind of does. I think he wants to get into this life and he wants like this will be like the ultimate score. I think Tobias sells it as like the ultimate score. Like this is the one like you'll never have to work again. You know, it's going to be easy street if we can pull this off. And, <laughs> okay. You know, so – We'll uh, we'll see. I, I I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. Um, the the troopers that we see in the scene are called Ranger Troopers. Their toy packaging has them as frontier stormtroopers who form a backbone of stubborn defense against would be thieves and pirates. So they're basically stationed on the convoy X and they're waiting for thieves. So whatever they're trying to steal is valuable to the Empire, so much so that they're guarding it. So I want to know what's on that fucking drain. Mm, Yeah, that makes me not think it's not spice with that description. What's awesome is the fact that they're fighting stormtroopers that have magnetic boots on, which leads me to believe that Han Solo, Chewbacca, and the rest of these um, uh, guys that are involved in the heist – do not have magnetic boots on when this when this happens. I I think this is going to be one of the most fun sequences in the trailer in the in the film. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love a good train action sequence. Um, we get Beckett shooting one of the troopers. Um, the train travels around the mountain. You see a ship flying along next to it, and it's the same ship that we saw attached to some of the cargo containers earlier in the trailer that we talked about. And it's also a ship that we've seen solo fly in the first trailer. Uh, we get a shot of Tandy Newton as Val. She's seen shooting some kind of like a, it's a harpoon grappling hook gun. Um, possibly during the heist is when she's shooting this. And I got to keep wondering, Jake, that when, when Han and Beckett are dressed as Imperial guards, that she, is also drafted into the empire, but I feel like she stays on. I feel like they're hiding that from us. And I still have a feeling that she could be a villain in this film. Yeah, that would make sense. That, that kind of, again, goes so with the Han Solo character. Yeah. Where it was all of a sudden, like the person that he was so invested in is the person he's, you know, that's after him. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Enfy's nest might be like who they go up against. Like, in the first act of the film, that might be the villain of the first act of the film, but like it might be Tandy Newton who's going after that. I don't know. I could be totally wrong on that. Tandy Newton could be like 100% part of the team the entire movie, but we'll see. Um, 
we get a shot of Chewbacca hugging another Wookiee goodbye, and that's probably his wife. We know that he's going to owe Han a life debt in this film, so we see him leave his wife. Um, this is probably after Han rescues Chewbacca from the Spice Mines of Kessel. Uh, we get uh, Han Solo in a shot saying, I've got a good feeling about this, which is which is funny. Every movie, they've got a bad feeling about this. I thought that was a great line. I, I like, laughed. I like that as well. We get a shot of the Millennium Falcon's lower gun, uh, lower gunner station firing on TIE fighters that are chasing them through the swirling vortex of a storm. A Star Destroyer after them as well. And there's a single barrel on the gunner station. So um, we can assume that after these battles, Han upgrades it to a double uh, barrel later on because that's what the Millennium Falcon is known for. Uh, we find out that Han, uh, that Chewbacca is 190 years old. <laughs> uh, and by the time this movie is, is, uh, going on and looks, looks good for that age, right? Looks good. Millennium Falcon flies above what looks to be the village of Emphy's nest and the clouder, right? The cloud rider gang. We get Dryden Voss has this weapon that looks like it looks like brass knuckles with these energy blades on both ends. And um, he uses that to cut up some decoration at a bar. We get a quick montage of shots. We get Amelia Clark throwing a grenade into a battle of some kind. We get L-337 saying, um, so glad we took this job. And I think saying it sarcastically. And then the Convoy X scene where Chewbacca is hanging off of the train and might get hit by an oncoming chunk of the mountain. And that's where the trailer ends. Jake, what did you think about this trailer? Uh, I thought it was okay. It, I don't know. I, I like the editing of the first trailer a little bit more. Uh, there, there was nothing like egregious in this trailer though that like upset me about the movie. I'm, I'm just as willing and excited to see this as I have been. I mean, not feverish, but still hoping for a really good movie. Eric, what did you think? Yeah, I'm right in that same boat. I mean, I, I, I've been. I've never been against the movie. I've never been super excited about the movie. There's just been so many production problems going through. I mean, we, we've talked about it over and over again. Those are the things that continue to concern me about the story. Mm. Um, and those just will not go away until we actually see the film. And I'm hopeful. I, I sure want a good film. I would say that if this trailer didn't hurt that at all, it looks good. Um, it, we definitely see some cool and iconic shots in there. There were some good lines. Like I've got a good feeling about this. So, so there's some positives in the trailer. I, I'm just, I, until I see the final finished product, I'm going to be really worried about this. So I'm hoping I'm wrong. Yeah. I got to echo a lot of what you guys are saying. And I'm also going to throw in there that, uh, Alden Ehrenreich is not selling me on Han Solo. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, um, I want to believe, I wanted to believe going into this that this guy would be able to fill the shoes of Harrison Ford. And I'm hoping I'm wrong. But if this is the best scenes that they're showing us of this guy trying to be Han Solo, I am sorely, 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 it's sorely lacking. I, I'm upset. It's not good. I, I'm not Yeah, sold. that's where these trailers have lost me. Yeah. Is that it's like, oh, he doesn't feel like Han Solo to me. I mean, I'm not near as excited to, to see this as I was with Rogue One. I'm going to go see it regardless. I mean, yeah. if it's Star Wars, I'm going to go see it in the theater. Absolutely. Yeah. 
but yeah. I, Jake, I, I mean, we went and saw that uh, Hail Caesar, and one of the main reasons I saw it is because like I knew this guy was going to be fucking Han Solo, and he was and he was the best part of that movie, best part of that movie, very charismatic, and I thought like, wow, you know, this is a young actor, and and I feel like you know he can do this, and I have not been sold yet. It's and. Those rumors of the acting coach that they had to bring in for him, I thought that that was kind of like a, a slap in the face. Like, that's bullshit. Like, why would they have to bring in an acting coach for this guy? Um, if you look at Alden Ehrenreich's resume, if you look at, like, all the work that he's done on films, Jake, I might be wrong, but I think, like, at his age, he's he's actually worked on a lot more than Harrison Ford ever did. At this point. Yeah, I think and, Harrison Ford was like a basically a fucking set carpenter walking onto Star Wars, right? Yeah, I mean, he did American Graffiti and a few other things on TV, but like, you know, he hadn't really, you know, like, Star Wars was his pretty much breakout role. Alden Ehrenreich has done a lot. I mean, if you, if you look at his IMDb page, you might not have seen everything that he's in, but he's been involved in a lot of productions. And, and so I was thinking, like, for, like, the rumors of bringing on, like, an acting coach to help this guy, I was like, that's a fucking slap in the face. That's bullshit. But after watching these trailers, it makes me wonder, and I'm not, I wish I could say I'm impressed. Like, oh my God, he's nailing the character of Han Solo. Like, I can't wait. I, that, I think that's, inf- that's affecting my excitement for this movie because everything else looks so goddamn good. Everything else looks so good. The, 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 the shots of like Han Solo, like getting ready to like grab the blaster, like that old Western shot, the convoy X scene looks like an amazing action sequence. You've got stormtroopers with like these fucking magnetic boots getting ready to fight Han and Chewie and Tobias and Val on this fucking train while they try to pull off this heist. And that sounds amazing. But if you can't have your main actor make me believe that this is Han Solo, the Han Solo that I fell in love with in those first three Star Wars films, then you've kind of lost everything. Then it's, it's kind of like, then it feels like the prequels a little bit where it's Star Wars, but it's not. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm in a weird place. I'm, I'm going to see this movie. My excitement level after trailer number one was still pretty high, even though I didn't feel like the Alden Ehrenreich stuff looked very Han to me. And then this trailer kind of solidified it a little bit more. Like, is this the best you can show me from this character? Like, yeah, hopefully they're hiding the goods. I, I, I wasn't as turned off by him as you, but I do agree that nothing showcased it in the second trailer. I thought if anything, the first trailer showcased him being more of a Han Solo type character than the second one did. Yeah. I just wonder if they're going to, Jake, the thing is, I I wonder if they're going to try to spin it. Like, you know, like this trailer showed us like, you know, like Han saying like, I've got a good feeling about this. Are they going to try to spin this movie like this is an optimistic Han Solo? <laughs> you know, before, before, like, you know, life kind of like kicked him in the ass and, and he's, he's a smuggler that's, you know, down on his luck. 
you know? Yeah, kind of right around the the acting yes, in that way. Yes, exactly. And that's what fans will – and see, that's what, I, that's what I'm worried about because I'm a fan, Jake, and – and I, I might be one of those fans that after this movie comes out, I might de- I might be defending it for that reason because I love – I might try to look at it from that angle. Like, oh, wait. Well, this is this is Han Solo before life kicked him in the ass. This is, this is an optimistic Han Solo and that's why he acted that way. When in all actuality, the fact is that Alden Ehrenreich doesn't do service to – the character of Han Solo. He was not the best choice. There was there was a better choice for Han Solo or maybe you just shouldn't have made this fucking movie to begin with. And I hate saying that, Jake, because I want to see this movie and I want to see this movie be successful, but I got I got to think about it from that angle as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks because it kind of it's like you've been doing you know, you've been very valiantly like yes. defending this movie. Yes, I have. It comes out and it's just a big cash grab. Yes. It's like basically You've been just fucking talking out your ass for the last. Well, I think there's going to be some great takeaways from this movie. I feel like Donald Glover is going to give it his all. I mean, that guy, that guy is brilliant. Yeah, like that guy is brilliant in everything that I've seen him do, and he's talented. And but I, I I didn't want to feel like oh we're just going to get a great Lando out of this movie. I wanted to feel like we're going to get the whole fucking thing. Like Alden's going to be able to kill it in this role of Han. There's nothing in this – nothing in either fucking trailer tells me that this guy can fucking fill Harrison Ford's fucking shoes, his jockstrap, anything, nothing, nothing. I'm not sold at all. Alden Ehrenreich in these trailers is terrible to me and I hate to say that. I hate saying it. Yeah. Yeah, what, what do you guys think? Uh, like, what does Eric think about? You guys aren't fans of it, or are fans? No, I'm not. So I, I, ha- I mean, I haven't been totally against this movie to begin with, but it's not my choice. I mean, the idea of going back and replacing, uh, replacing Harrison Ford just never sat right with me to begin with, and I, I think we're seeing exactly what I expected out of that. It's going to be a an. My best hope at this point is a good movie and a good story, and I'll walk out of there going, God, it wasn't Han, but it was still an okay movie. That's my highest expectation. I think, um, Eric, I think if you see the, the thing is, I think if you get like a, a, a young Chris Pratt to do this, he, he pulls this off, man. I think it does come down to acting, man. I do. I, you may, you may be right, but. I, I still come back to no matter who you put in that role, it's going to be someone pretending to be Han Solo as opposed to Han Solo for me. And I'm always going to struggle with that no matter how good an actor they are. But see, you got to understand, like, I, is, is Harrison Ford Han Solo? That's basically – you're telling me Harrison Ford is Han Solo. That's, there's nobody else that can play that character. It's, it's not James Bond. Right, right, correct. For me, for me, it's not James Bond. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's a great, great way to phrase it. I don't think you can rotate people through that role. I don't want to see another Luke Skywalker. I don't want want to see another Leia. And, and I think, I think probably the biggest portion, it, it, a lot of that's me. It's no, just yeah. these are the iconic yeah. characters yeah. that I grew up with. That basically the reason that. You know, all these years later, I'm sitting on a podcast making butt fuck jokes is because. <laughs> 
because I saw this movie, you know, when I was seven years old in the mm-hmm. theater. And I think it's just too close for me, for me to be able to accept anyone else playing that part. As much as I, I'll try to set it aside while I watch, it's, it's going to be a struggle from me. And it was from the get go. So is this going to be a lesson to Hollywood? Like for, for, for Star Wars, uh, for Lucasfilm, that, that when this movie comes out, if, I'm, I'm saying let's let's hypothetically say like this movie comes out and Alden Ehrenreich is not accepted by the fans as Han Solo. He is universally rejected. Uh, and what I mean by universally rejected is is that the majority of people view like there's going to be you're going to have some you're going to have some holdouts that are just like, oh, he was great. I loved it. OK, you're going to have people. I mean, there was people that like the new Fantastic Four film. So those assholes watch this movie and they're like, OK, I, I yeah, I, I like this. I like this. Um, but m- the majority of people come out and they're like, I did not like this. Do you think Lucasfilm then s- takes a step back and says, OK, I don't think it's a good idea for us to do a young Luke Skywalker movie? Um, I think so. I mean, I mean. In the end, the biggest difference between this and say a Ewan McGregor is he was so much younger than the the you know than Obi Wan was in the movie, so you could get away with that. But this is they can say this is a young Han Solo, but I mean this is not that far off in age. So you're you're going to be able to you in your mind you're comparing the two side by side. I mean, I I can't avoid it. Yeah, like like how much did we get from you know? Right, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi in those films. Right, right, yeah. Like yeah. he he yep. he died in the first fucking movie. Alec Guinness died right. in it, and uh, right. you know we got him to come back as a Force ghost. But like you and McGregor, you know when he came in there, it's like, I mean, and everybody when they cast him, everybody was like, okay, that's perfect. We'd all seen Train Spotting. Everybody saw Train Spotting. Everybody, yeah, he had the look. He had the look. Yeah. He had the voice. We all knew that yep. he could fucking pull off the role. But like, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, trying to fill the shoes of a guy who died in the first fucking movie and didn't really fucking enjoy playing the role anyway is not that right. hard. Even though <laughs> Harrison Ford doesn't give a fuck about Han Solo, he didn't embrace that fucking role until like recently. Anyway, I'll, I will throw that out there. For all the people right, that, that think that is true, that, but you're yeah. right about this. Like, if this is a big poop stain, it's going to ruin the chances of this kind of Star Wars movie, where yeah. it's like, let's see a Yoda flashback movie, yeah. let's see an Obi Wan flashback movie. You yeah, know. yeah. That was my first thought: is that if this does tank, I wonder if we won't see any more of the Star Wars stories. I, that's why I think it's wise for them to announce like Ryan Johnson's film, where it's like it's it's part of the Star Wars galaxy that we've never seen before. They are definitely waiting to see how this movie's going to perform. I think that we will get the. Of course, we're going to get like the Obi Wan standalone film, and I think that they are going to cast Ewan McGregor. But I think that's basically because he's established himself as a fan favorite. One of my favorite he's one, he's probably my favorite fuck him his performance and of course Darth Maul are like my favorite takeaways from the prequels to be quite honest with you. I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah, I is even though I like the prequels more, I agree that Ewan McGregor is the best part of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like that's right there. You're printing money if you tell me that you're going to make an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie 
with fucking Ewan McGregor, you're printing fucking money. Money. That's a no-brainer. But as far as, like, touching other legacy characters, and I'm talking about, like, the big three, you know, Luke and Leia, like, they're untouchable after this. If Alden Ehrenreich, if this solo film, and these are stories, I don't care what anybody says, these are stories I wanted to see. I do want to see how Han gets the Millennium Falcon. I did want to see the first meeting of those characters. I did want to see him meet Chewbacca for the first time. Lando Calrissian for the first time. I wanted yeah. to see his life on Corellia. And I am just, in a comic, not, not in a book. Not in a comic, not in a book. I wanted to see it in canon, in the films. I wanted to see those things. But like, if Alden Ehrenreich, if he just lets out a stinker of a performance, which it looks like it's going to be. It looks like everyone else in this cast is killing it. Like, I can't wait to see Tobias Beckett. I can't uh, – Woody Harrelson's character. I can't wait to see Amelia Clark. can't wait to see fucking Donald Glover's Lando. I can't wait to see who's under the fucking mask of, like, Enfy's Nest. I can't wait to see Tandy – I love Westworld. Can't wait to see Tandy Newton as Val. But everything that I've seen from Alden Ehrenreich is cringeworthy to me. It's, it's cringeworthy. Oh my, he's not cool. Fucking Han Solo is super fucking cool, man. He's super yeah. fucking cool. When I see these scenes, man, I should, oh, he should be super fucking cool and he's not. Like it's, I, I'm scared to watch this. I don't, <laughs> I am, I am, I'm really it's like it's like uh God, what are we gonna get? What are we gonna get? I don't know. So and, Yeah, and that's a big part. He's the title character. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. So, not good. Not good. Alright guys, that's all I got this week. I wanna thank uh Eric Wade and uh Joe Stark for joining us. Yeah, I want to apologize to Joe Stark and Eric Wade for joining us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a butt fucking good time. <laughs> I don't. Uh, oh God, Jake, Jake, it's not. It's not gonna. Like, like, like. Right? We think it's bad. Like a lot of times, Jake, when we record something, we think it's bad, and then people end up loving it. Right? We hear ah, that's great. This is not gonna. This is, this does not have good playback. No, no. We need like that amazing Spider-Man storyline where like he made the deal with Mephisto to erase shit from the timeline. Yes. Like we need to figure. <laughs> we need to just skip this number. Like when you mentioned the what number episode is this? Is this is this two two eight? This is two two eight. Yeah. So yeah, we like two two eight. I don't remember that one at all. Uh, you know, <laughs> Mephisto. His name. <laughs> you guys know where I'm, you guys know where I'm going, right? Uh, uh, Mephisto. Yeah. You guys, <laughs> you guys knew where I was going. I couldn't even I get did. it out. I couldn't even that. You know, yeah. So, that <laughs> couldn't even get it out. Yeah, think about that. All right, guys. Um, we 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 will be back next week for episode two twenty nine. And following that, guys, following that. Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, I will not be on the Infinity War episode. What? what? I didn't pre-order tickets. I don't think I'll be able to see it now. Shut the fuck up. You're... 
You'll sit on my you will sit on my goddamn lap if you have to. You see I'll be it? watching it on HDonline.net. <laughs> <laughs> it's like come on, dude, get your head down. It's uh yeah, yeah. If you want to watch it on a fucking pirate website, that's fine. Alright, guys. Uh Joe, where can people get more Joe? You can find me on Starcast where I talk comics and interview random people. Or you can find me on Number One Comic Books with uh, you and Rebecca and Rod, where we talk Number One Comic Books. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to find Joe, no matter where you go, he's talking comics. You can't. It's like Jesus Christ. This <laughs> guy. Much. This guy. He climbing. goes to his fucking dental office, and he's like born as dental, <laughs> dental, born the dental assistants with talk comics. <laughs> like <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're like, give this guy the gas. Jesus. I got comics up on the wall in my office, and so whenever I have people come in, yeah. they're like, what is that? I'm like, that's Chrononauts, and that's Saga. And then next thing you're reading it to them and shit, flipping through pages. <laughs> um, yeah, Eric, where can people get more Eric Wade? Oh, man, the Wade fan club is strong. You can catch me on the Supercast every week with Jordan, Joe, and Dave making their lives complete hell and misery. Yeah. Yes, you can. All right. And you can catch me and Jake here butt-fucking the fuck out of each other every week. I'm puffing. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I think maybe we should revolve our uh, Avengers Star Wars bet around who has to be power bottom. Oh, shit. You know what? I will take that right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Just. Oh, it's ne- it's never fun when you're self-deprecating mode. Ah, just just rail me. <laughs> just, just go to town. That, go takes, to- that takes all the joy out <laughs> of it. Go to town. Oh man. I just, uh, no. no it's, uh, all right, guys. Hey. Uh, uh. Yeah. Just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Toxic Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. Uncool kids, what's to say? It's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture, leftovers. Podcast that original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good 
toxic good and taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't embrace it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spit all over like a vulture carryover. Culture push over pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftover. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't embrace it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftover. And the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.